Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into 2020 Academy Awards predictions in today's episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation of Royal Dalton Musical. What is this? This is where you wanna be. What is this? Last year, prior to the Oscars ceremony, uh, I spent a solid three and a half hours recording um, with a friend of mine about our predictions for who would win and uh, how the night was going to go. And it didn't, I mean, the episode, uh, as, as the conversation went, was pretty good, I thought, except uh, it never, never became... Um, well, a real episode of the podcast for technical reasons. So uh, it only seems fitting that uh, myself and the aforementioned friend uh, would try it again this year using better technical elements that hopefully will not fail us again. Um, so uh, I have Derek here. Nice to join you again, Ryan. Yes, nice to have you, hopefully for, well, I guess sort of for the first time, but (laughs) as far as everyone else is concerned, but uh, yeah, an actual recording that everyone can hear. We did that amazing uh, Venom podcast. uh, Oh, yeah, we did. Before that, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I forget, I forget. Forgettable Venom. (laughs) man, Venom. Um... Yeah, uh, so today we're going to uh, go through all the categories. Uh, some we will breeze through much quicker than others. Uh, we're going to start with the short films and work our way through the techs and the sort of higher profile awards towards the end and finish up with picture. And we'll see, uh, eventually on Sunday night, we'll see exactly how close we ended up being. Um, yeah. That's the that's the goal, at least. That's the plan. Cool. Um, so, the first category on the docket is Best Live Action Short Film. Right. Um, nominees, Brotherhood, um, Nefta Football Club, The Neighbor's Window, A Sister, and Saria. And I'm trying to do... <laughs> I was trying to say them in alphabetical order... <laughs> even though they're ordered based on my preference. So I think I got that a little mixed up, but anyway, uh, I, I, I remember once upon a time, a few years ago, when I really started getting into predicting the Oscars, somebody said that the short categories, the best thing to do is to predict whatever you thought was the best because they're the most unpredictable categories. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I kind of agreed with that, and the further away I get from that year, the less I agree with it. Sure. Um, I think there are a couple of significant front runners, maybe not in this specific short category, but in the other ones. Uh, so, anyway, um, it looks like, uh, as far as I can see, Gold Derby has Brotherhood as the odds favorite right now. Slightly. Slightly. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think more. Well, it depends. Are we going on experts? Are we going on the, the general public? I get. It depends on who you want to put more weight into. I guess. Right. Uh, I think uh, among the experts, I mean, I would. I think two thirds of them have brotherhood, and then another, maybe third, have a neighbor's window. So I think those are the two, the two that I'm personally deciding from, and those are the two that I. I liked the most. I, I did thoroughly enjoy NAFTA Football Club. I, I laughed at that. I laughed so hard at the end of that one. Um, so, so that that was a good chuckle. Um, but yeah, I definitely think that this one. I, I, I agree with you on the take of you know, just, they are not as predictable as other categories. But I think just picking your favorite, um, you're not going to do as well as if you do a, a little bit of a deep dive into you know, what other people are talking about. And, again, I don't want to rant too long on your podcast, <laughs> Ryan, but I also think, and I have zero metrics or evidence to support this fact. <laughs> I, haven't, I went back and done, like, the last 10 years, but I think if your short is actually available to watch by not only the general public, but the voting public, I think you probably have a better chance of winning. Uh, that, I don't know. That sounds reasonable to me. Uh, you know, I I, <laughs> I I agree. It would stand to reason at least. Um, yeah, I I've seen all of these. I think you've only you've seen all of them except a sister. I was not able to. Well, apparently a sister was available until it got the nomination, and then France <laughs> shut it down in the country that it got nominated in. So. Um, if someone wants to explain that logic to me. I'm definitely I'm an open-minded guy. I'd love to hear why you would do that. <laughs> but but yeah, so I, I I haven't seen a system. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I agree. I think I don't know. I I, I really liked the neighbor's window. Uh, I I also like Nefta Football Club. Uh, I wasn't as high on Brotherhood, and maybe that's why I don't have have it predicted to win. But I went with Saria, actually, to pull off the upset. Oh, okay. I mean, that one, there, there have been, in the last three years, uh, that I've been really deep diving into, especially shorts and, and documentaries, there have been too many, um, I, I shouldn't say too many, because it's these are issues that need to be, um, you know, dove into, but uh, the, these war zone films um are are difficult and we got a couple of them coming up uh which i, I won't touch on in other categories but i i like that one um i like nefta i am right now i have brotherhood to win just because that's the odds on favorite it's who the guy that runs awards watch has on um has winning, but I gotta say, I bet by Sunday I'm probably gonna change to the neighbor's window because while it was a very cliched message in that one, um, I thought it was well done. I was laughing in the beginning, and by the end, I was just blown away from the ability to take such a simple message and make and, and, and pull me in for a solid 20 minutes like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was unique as opposed to, um, you know, something like Brotherhood, which I think. It slightly has been done before. I thought it was well shot. I thought, I thought it was well done, but uh, I, I think it's a crapshoot between these two. But I, I, I think I'll probably switch to Neighbors Window by Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 
Yeah, uh, I you know I can't can't argue much on that point. I felt the same kind of reaction to Neighbor's Window that you're describing. It seemed a little, you know, I liked the open you know, the first 10, 15 minutes of it, but it did seem a little, you know, this is fairly normal. And then that final couple of minutes, uh, with the the huge shift in tone that it has, is a kind of a killer, and. The fact that it's in English, I'm sure, will help. <laughs> it, well. it can't hurt. It no. certainly can't. Hurt. No. Uh, and I, I don't, you know, I, I know we try to not do uh, spoilers on your podcast, so I do my best. But um, I think at this point, anyone that's listening has, you know, hey, either you're going to find the short or you're not going to find the short. So there's not much we can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the, you know, I'm over here and across the window, you're over there. Um, it's it, it's so simple, but I found it to be really powerful. So um, I per- again, <laughs> you introduced this by saying don't don't pick your favorite. Um, <laughs> I'm probably gonna pick my favorite in this one. <laughs> I mean, that's what ahead. I did, I guess. <laughs> With Saria, <laughs> um, not only I think like it's the one that affected me most. I remember when the credits rolled in Saria, and it lists all the people all the real names that um, the events are, are connected to. I just like, man, I'm just, I, I remember watching them scroll through my uh, feed and like having to pause every couple of seconds so I could read and make sure I went through every single name. I felt like it was that important. Uh, and I don't know. I'm hoping, I guess, with my prediction that had the same impact on, on the people voting for it. But yeah. You know what, I just realized, because I, I was looking it up, I'm getting Saria mixed up with a different one, so, um, I'm sorry. Um, what were you... No. Huh? Which one, what were you missing? I, I think I, I was looking, I, I was getting it confused with, uh, Forsama, or thinking oh, that it was okay. another one, like, um, because there's another one that, that is, oh, oh, the cave. Yeah, you have, you have the cave and Forsama, which is, you know, yes. the zone type. Um... Yeah, Saria in the the ending. I I didn't think it was going to end that way. So I agree with you. That was it was it, it was funny and lighthearted, even though it was um, it was set in such a depressing uh, it had a depressing tone. But the relationship between the two sisters was was kind of funny. Um, it ended that way, and then yeah, they, they they run the names, and I'm like, God, the world we live in. <laughs> it's just very depressing it is <sighs> okay um well the short categories don't really the next category doesn't do much to improve the spirit but <laughs> the nominees for best documentary short are in the absence learning to skateboard in a war zone and i think there's a parenthetical if you're a girl after yeah. that uh, Life Overtakes Me, St. Louis Superman, and Walk, Run, Cha-Cha. I've seen four of them. How about you? Yeah, I've seen four as well. The one that doesn't exist. Yeah, St. Louis Superman, the first uh, film ever nominated from MTV for anything, I think, uh, is just not available <laughs> anywhere I look. From MTV. So again, back to my rant. Yeah. Why is MTV making a documentary 
that gets nominated for an Oscar and I can't find it on any of the services that I subscribe to and some of the less than ethical services that I subscribe to, I can't find it. Mm-hmm. It seems a little bit weird to me, but yeah. And, <laughs> and, and like what's more like it doesn't even have the worst odds according to gold derby <laughs> it doesn't, is, no. is, is, is ridiculous to me. Um, but, uh, so here, uh, unlike live action short, um, my favorite of these five was In the Absence, uh, which is the event it, it follows is one I was completely unfamiliar with, and it it seemed I don't know it it, it kind of was the anti uh, Sully in a way <laughs> in how how that entire ordeal was handled um, from all personnel and all personnel involved and uh really hit me pretty hard but i think this is one of the short categories where there's kind of a groundswell for a particular one and i think that movie is learning to skateboard in a war zone yeah i think you and i are on the same page here i the first the first one that i watched when the shortlist came out was in the absence and i was blown away by it um you know these shorts are able to be up to 45 minutes long 50 minutes long 40 yeah supposed to be Um, the cutoff yeah but sometimes they go a little little, couple minutes over um and and so the fact that it was 28 minutes 24 minutes or I, i with such a tragic and what I thought was interesting, it, it, it pulled me and it was interesting, and then I was left wanting more. This could have been a full-length documentary, and I and it, it would probably win this year. Um, it was something that I don't remember happening. I don't remember it being in the news. Um, so I just... I. I was devastated by the end, which is what all of these, which is what all of these shorts end up doing is killing you in five in 15 minutes. It's, it's crazy. Um, but I love that one. Then I got to life overtakes me and that one blew me away. I didn't know that that was a thing no, from just being that. And, and as, as a father of a seven year old watching these seven year old kids just become, despondent because they're just that stressed out and scared of the situation they're in that was amazing um but you're right i mean when you look at the odds uh when you look at what the experts are going towards learning the skateboard in the war zone seems like um the runaway favorite it is it won best short at the baftas mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's huge and there was one element of this movie or of this short that i feel I really enjoyed. I mean, it's again, it's in a war zone. They're talking about just how women are treated as objects, and not it, if objects might be a, a more positive way to put it, the way the way that they treat them. And um, sometimes I'd rather be an object than than the way that they describe their lives over there. But there was, you know, they talked about they kind of did what Pixar does, and you you know how much of a Pixar fan I am. Uh, <laughs> it did this thing where they did lesson one, lesson two, lesson three. And there was this little like positive music every time they introduced a new lesson and went into what the girls were doing at this, at, uh, skate, Ghana, skate, skate, Ghana, or whatever they, whatever yeah. they call it. Um, 
And so there was just something about that graphic coming up and some lighthearted music that kind of pulled me up and down with this one. So I did thoroughly enjoy it. It's not my favorite, but kind of like period, end of sentence last year, um, I definitely think that this one is your winner. Yeah. <clears throat> it seems seems destined for that. Um, and uh, like, like you said, I, I like it as well. Uh, I think it wouldn't... It's not going to disappoint me if it wins. And I... You know, if... if yeah, that's. I guess that's it. <laughs> that's my. Yeah, point. I mean, the only short that I would say I would be disappointed of all we haven't gotten there yet, but um, of all fifteen of these, I the only one that I was like completely like whatever was walk run cha cha. I mean, I the ending dancing was was wonderful, mm-hmm. um, but these ones where they really follow just like one person, and again, when I'm getting done watching documentaries where entire countries are being blown up it, it's difficult for me to see the what's the reason why this should be important you know right. so that one didn't do much for me no i, I feel the same i again you know the the ending d- dance was was really nice and, and it's a lot of great visual storytelling and kind of emotions involved in that moment but the i don't I forget how long it is but 10 15 whatever it was minutes prior to that are slow and take a while for you to like get into who these people are and it's kind of just learning them them learning to dance and uh, yeah yeah so (laughs) yeah all right um not a lot of hope in either of these two short categories there's a little bit of hope and 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 joy in some of the animated shorts this year oh absolutely uh the nominees for this category are uh or daughter, uh, hair love, kitbull, memorable, and sister. I've seen all five. Yep. Luckily. Yep. Barely had to pay for one of them, but we won. <laughs> um. Well, I mean, I guess if you count, oh no, I guess I, I remember kitbull was long before Disney Plus, uh, but. If, if if there's any residual amount of my Disney Plus dollars, which I'm not actually paying since it's a free subscription, uh, going to Kipple, uh, you know, I, I acquired it that way. But um, yeah, I I really like Kipple. I really like Hair Love, and uh, I have a soft spot for Memorable as well. But this is one. And like, I remember when Hair Love came out as on like I guess it was like on YouTube or Vimeo or whatever it was, and this the the response to it was kind of overwhelming and and how inclusive it was and how telling a different story it was and, and giving voice to to a group that doesn't have as big of a voice as as many others, and it just from that point, I mean I have I haven't I don't hear about Hair Love that often, but I heard about it. Far more than I heard about any of the other shorts here, and I think the sort of um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say backlash, but just the the willing the willingness I, I believe that a lot of the voters are going to have to give awards to things that aren't Pixar in the animation categories is is palpable, and I think they have a great opportunity with Hair Love to do that. Yeah, 
I mean, I, I think that both uh, daughter and sister are um, similar to shorts that we see all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Not that they're really creative, but they just don't uh, they don't move the needle for me personally. I actually kind of agree with you on memorable. Um, I, I I love the animation. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it, it was it was something different. And uh, there was a short last year that kind of dealt with the kind of you know aging demographic and going through that that struggle of losing your memory and and what that does to your loved ones. And um, so I, I I thought that that was a a, a sweet short as well. Um, but you're you're going up against Pixar mm-hmm. and and Sony, which and and. and Again, I'm going to continue on my on my crusade here and say, Hair Love has thir- 13 million views on YouTube Ooh, at this point. Wow. Um, so, and for a short to have 13 million views, um, I think that says something again for the inclusiveness of the short. Um, it, I watched it three times the first day that I saw it. I, I watched it first time by myself, and I cried like a baby. Um, then my wife got home who has that same type of ethnic hair and I made her watch it. She loved it. And then later that night I watched it a third time as well. Um, so I, I think I, there's to vote against Pixar is so difficult for me to do, but I didn't like Kitball that much. And I just think hair love is, is simply exactly what you want from a short that isn't that doesn't take place in in a war zone and try to teach you about a lesson about the world. Um, for an uplifting short, I don't think you can do much better than than Air Love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, seem, seems like you know it's the odds favorite. It's uh, it's got a lot going for it, and I fully expect to hear it announced as the winner. And maybe maybe the most confident I've been in one in the animated short category since like <laughs> Piper, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. Hashtag uh, Pixar. Yeah, pretty much. Sorry. Um, yeah. So those are the short film categories and to go to something that is incredibly predictable, uh, the best newly named international film category. Can, can we go off topic for a second? I got a question for you. You might know this uh, better than I do. Of course. Uh, so obviously this was previously named foreign language film. Yes. Um, in moving it to best international film, would that qual- would that qualify movies that were made in the UK and Germany and France that are English speaking? Would uh, they? Be- as far as I'm aware, and, and what I remember when I heard the news, it. The, the specifications within the category didn't change. It was change, only okay. the title. Gotcha. I, so uh, as far as that's concerned, I think the rules state that the film has to have a significant chunk or, or maybe I think I don't know if they specify greater than 50 percent or whatever of it has to be in a foreign language. So, and the only reason I ask is because I wouldn't want to see, you know, the favorite, you know, like the favorite get nominated in this category, no. and then we start seeing English movies win international feature. That's not the point of this category. No, I, I would not 
not appreciate that at all. <laughs> no, thank you. Ugh. Um, right. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, so this year's nominees are Corpus Christi, Honeyland, Les Miserables, Pain and Glory, and Parasite. I've seen four of them. Uh, I'm seeing Corpus Christi tomorrow, and that will finish me up for that. Well, you better go to the theater to do that, because I couldn't find two of these yet anywhere. Uh, so. <laughs> but this one doesn't matter, let's just be honest. It, it really doesn't. It's um, <laughs> Parasite's going to win this in a walk, and it's not even not even close. Yeah, I mean, Pain and Glory was a, was, was a solid film. Um, but Parasite is one of the best movies in any language I've seen in years. Mm-hmm. So um, if it doesn't win this category, we riot. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you know, I it nominated for Best Picture. Yep. How does it not win Best International Film? Like, it just, <laughs> the logic doesn't make sense. No. Uh, so... Yeah, it's won. I mean, it's won the BAFTA. It won the Critics' Choice Award. It won the Golden Globe for for foreign. So it it would be shocking to see anything else rise up and take this category. This is an easy one. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so we can move on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we got best documentary feature. The nominees here are American Factory, The Cave. The Edge of Democracy, For Sama, and Honeyland again. I don't, you know, I remember when the nominees were announced that Honeyland getting a nomination in documentary and international film, first time that's ever happened mm-hmm. for it to get both, uh, which is pretty impressive uh, and made it my original front runner for the category before I'd seen it. Or, yeah, I don't think I'd seen it at the time. But and then eventually I shifted over into American Factory. Uh, it's currently the odds favorite, and you know it's on Netflix, so everyone's going to be able to see it. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, I eventually came back around to for Sama. It's my favorite of the nominees, and I, it, you know. You, you kind of said it earlier. There's a lot of documentaries about war-torn Syria and other places in the Middle East and around the world. And I've seen a lot of them. And I was also, like, I don't want there to not be those movies. Like, I, it's not like a too many of them exhaustion. But there are a lot of them. And that at this point, it's kind of difficult for a film on that subject to set itself apart. But I think for Sama did in a lot of different ways. I haven't seen The Cave yet. Um, I'm seeing that on Sunday. But for the moment, I I have to go. I'm going with For Sama in this one. Sure. Yeah, I mean, and I guess too many is probably the wrong semantic for this because again, until we deal with I mean, it, you shouldn't have to watch too many of these documentaries and shorts seeing bloodied children, infants that are getting blown up to have a heart and want to deal with some of these issues. 
um, but apparently we need to make them every year because we're not doing anything about it. So too many is not the wrong because we need to bombard the market with them until we actually, uh, you know, enact some change. Um, I actually didn't. The, the odds-on favorite, like you said, is American Factory. I think 27 of no 24 of the 29 experts on Gold Derby have that winning. Um, I like the cave, but uh, I I agree with you. I, I didn't think that we were going to agree on this one, but I'm I'm actually going to go. I'm going against uh, the grain of the experts. It Forsama won the BAFTA mm-hmm. uh, on Sunday, so I think we got that going for it. But I think you're right. It, it set itself apart with with uh, the the narrative, and I didn't know where the narrative was going. Um, I thought it was just going to be another this an, this letter to your daughter, and then you get to the end and you realize why the narrative is happening, and that is striking, um, and that that really hit me hard. And again, what these families deal with and what they sacrifice and go through. Um, and again, so from from putting together a film and, and and telling a story, this wasn't just look at how bad things are um it really had a true almost you know act one act two act three and documentaries don't do that right mm-hmm. uh, so i i really i really enjoyed that one i i think factory will end up winning because it it it's in the, it, it does it fits into the american narrative tariffs you know all, i mean we're in an election year um hollywood likes to stick their nose in things I, I I can see American Factory when I didn't I didn't like the politics of it even though it fits into my <laughs> political ideology um, it that didn't hit for me so um, I would really love to see Forsama do the mild upset I guess it wouldn't be a huge upset but mm-hmm. somewhat mild yeah uh, American Factory has like the Obama factor to it um, as producers on the film and. The first film, I think, that came out of their production company. Sure. Uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being the winner. But I really pull in for Fursama here. Yep. You me both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So, next up, we have very interesting category to me in best animated feature so this is this is, uh, this we might want to talk about for a while to be completely honest with you <laughs> I, I i absolutely agree so the nominees are how to train your dragon hidden world i lost my body klaus missing link and toy story 4 and uh look the odds have toy story as the favorite um, assuming they haven't changed since the last time I edited my picks, uh, with Missing Link as second favorite, and the other three were all nine at nine to two odds. And first thing I noticed, no Frozen two. I, I think a lot of people thought that was going to get a nomination. And then the other thing is. Toy Story 4 is the favorite, and, like, I can't remember the last award it won. So it's won the Critics' Choice Award. Um, it won a Producers Guild Award. Okay. And then won a... 
I have on here VEF. I don't do not know what I what that ended up. I knew I was gonna run into an abbreviation that I just made up on my own. Because <laughs> like a video editing might be video editing something. I'm not sure. Because let's see, missing oh, what? No, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, missing link won the globe, right? Mm-hmm. And Klaus won the BAFTA. Yep. And Klaus won the Annie. Yes. And Klaus won seven different Annies. Yeah, it was won a it lot. Won the, it won the top animated feature, but then it won a bunch of the singular, you know, tech awards that they have, which I think I don't know how much that matters, but I think it's interesting how dominant Klaus was at the Annies. Yes. Um, I think I Lost My Body won an Annie or two as well. Uh, and so, it, you know, this it, it it's kind of an interesting year because, you know, last year Incredibles 2 was the front runner for so long. Nobody thought anything was going to catch up to it. And then all of a sudden we got Spider-Verse and everything was turned upside down. Mm-hmm. I feel like the same thing is happening with Toy Story 4, except there isn't a definitive Spider-Verse this year. Like Klaus was a Netflix movie. I like it. I don't love it. Um, Missing Link is Laika. I like it. I don't love it. I Lost My Bodies on Netflix. I like it. I don't love it. None of these really seemed, really stood above anybody else for me. So, you know, I was on Missing Link for a while. I was on Toy Story. I was on Klaus. And I, I know people are predicting I lost, I lost My Body has a chance. Um, really, the only thing I think doesn't have a chance is How to Train Your Dragon. Yeah, I think that's the only one that's drawing dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Awards Watch has a very interesting graph up. And when you look at who won the Globe, the Critics' Choice, the PGA, the Annie's, uh, the uh, Vision Effects Society and the BAFTA um, we there has not been a year in this decade with such disparity in 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 the awards hmm. uh, so I think it's a toss up and there's only been one sequel to ever win Best Animated Feature right. and I think that's important as well um I don't know why. I, I mean, I, there's been so many good, whether it's Finding Dory um, or Blanket on one of the, or I mean, even Frozen Two getting nominated. I think Frozen Two not getting nominated shows, for whatever reason, they like nominating, um, you know, these these kind of not not independent, but the, these uh, um, unique new films mm-hmm. but uh i without and without frozen 2 what if you believe that there's a disney vote contingent i think that helps toy story 4 yep. um, but each one of these has a i guess with, with the exception of i lost my body i i don't looking at who's won since 2010 we haven't had really an, an indie um winner since 2010 they've all been Known and known en- entities, um, but I don't, I don't I other I'm defaulting towards Toy Story four right now because <laughs> I don't know what else to do. And we do know, and it's a complaint of a lot of people I know that um, 
the Academy just likes voting for Pixar. It's so, true. So uh, true. Looking, kind of looking at the graph and looking at there's really nothing. It, it isn't the last two years with Coco and Into the Spider-Verse where they want everything beforehand or Frozen when it won everything beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Zootopia and Inside Out had a had a leg up by winning, you know, four of the major six. You don't have that this year. No one's won more than two major ones. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. What do you? What? Where are you leaning? Well, it's it's interesting. Like, I think I ultimately push Missing Link out of the top two. Um, I liked it. Uh, I definitely put, would rank it below Klaus and Toy Story and uh, even How to Train Your Dragon. I think. A lot of the reason it's here, I think the Academy does in, does like Leica, but I don't think they. I think they like seeing them nominated. I they don't. I don't think they've won, and if they have, it hasn't been for a long time. Like Kubo was a really strong contender in its year, but it did not win even with getting a visual effects nomination that year. Uh, Toy Story has a song nomination as well, which yeah. isn't which isn't to be glossed over. It's the only franchise that has won this award as a sequel. But at the same time, it Toy Stories 1 and 2 were not eligible for this award. So I don't know how much of Toy Story 3's win. Obviously, it was a huge thing, and it got a lot of nominations that year. But part of that, I think, being a sequel and getting this award does come from all the goodwill it earned with its first two films. And Klaus being such a contender is so baffling to me. Really? I don't understand it. You know, not that it's not a good movie. I think it's a lot of fun, but it just, it does not seem like the type of movie that could win this award to me. And that's really a head scratcher because I have it winning right now. Yeah. If Toy Story doesn't win, I I want Klaus to win only because I I watched that with my family and I was like I like that way too much and and I said I know this isn't going to get an Oscar nomination but I badly wanted to because I I that was a that was really good and then here we are sitting here and it might upset Pixar so um you know the the other three I I, I, I I couldn't get through Missing Link. I had to watch it in two parts because it just, I mean, and again, stop stop motion is phenomenal. Yeah, I think it, it deserves all the respect that it gets. Um, but that one just was truly boring to me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I guess in the end, we're looking at Toy Story 4 and, and Klaus. And uh, other than the fact that being the Pixar stand that I am, uh, <laughs> this this category was born out of the Toy Story franchise. It was yeah. created because of Toy Story and and it not getting any love at the Academy. So I I wonder if knowing and I think we mentioned this last year that this is the one category that um, well there are other categories that the Oscar voters don't really you know pay too much attention to, but uh, knowing that they let their daughters and nieces and nephews just cast their vote for best animated. Um, it's an easy to see why a, a Toy Story 4 would just pick this one up and move because, you know, 
how many kids are going to vote for Klaus. Well, maybe a good number, but I think uh, it's just easy to then go with the default popular one, um, which often, when you when you look at the list of the last ten that have won, um, is often what happens. So. That's true. Uh, you know, if if any franchise is going to get two wins in this category, Toy Story absolutely deserves to be that franchise. And, uh, yeah, it's it's tough. It's it's one I've been back and forth on a lot, and I might end up shifting over uh, <laughs> by Sunday, but for the moment, I'm going to stick with Klaus and see how I feel in a couple of days. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to be an old curmudgeon on this one because you know how I feel about sequels. And as much as I love Pixar, I was like, why are you touching this franchise? You ended, there's never been a trilogy to end as beautifully and perfectly as Toy Story. Stop it, Disney and Pixar. Don't. Um, but they did. A, they they picked it up. They ended Andy's story with three, and then they kind of wrapped up... Uh, um, Woody's story after come on Derek <laughs> they wrapped up Woody's story and so on so um, they did a phenomenal job for you know compared to I I felt like Frozen 2 was a very forced storyline um, mm. and for me I can understand why it didn't get a nomination because I was like yeah you're you're just uh, trying to come up with some new songs and trying to do some new merchandising and um and ice cannot be a fifth element. Ice is a different version of water. <laughs> I just that needs to be pointed out. So, anyways, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. It'll it's it's one of the categories I'm I'm really curious to see the results from. And uh, yeah, of. of you know, we're going to get into a lot of categories that uh, I think we both kind of agree on are, are basically sewn up at this point. Yeah. But this is absolutely one of the wider open ones. And this is one of only, I want to say, two or three categories that we'll talk about where the experts that are posting their votes on Gold Derby, um, each one of these five films has at least one vote by an expert. Interesting. Uh, so... Even Dragon, which I, I find interesting, and between Toy Story, Klaus, and Missing Link, they all have at least three or more. So um, th this one is definitely uh, up in the air. I think this could make or break a number of different uh, um, office pools for the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's really that's fair. Whew. All right. So we are moving into the Tech Awards now. Um, starting with best visual effects. Now, uh, brief brief aside, when they announced all the nominations uh, a couple of weeks ago, they announced them alphabetically, and for whatever reason, they decided to make 1917 alphabetically where N would be instead of where the numeral one would be, which threw me off in every single category it ended up being nominated in. And That's... it was very jarring and disappointing and, 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 and frustrating <laughs> to watch. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to me either. Ah, so strange. Um, so the nominees for Best Visual Effects are 1917, Avengers Endgame, The Irishman, The Lion King, and Star Wars colon The Rise of Skywalker. 
uh, which I think the as the as nominees, I think that's pretty much what we kind of all expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's see, the odds currently, what would that be? Uh, so, look at this. Looks like Avengers has the very, very, very slight odds favor over 1917. If it hasn't shifted since it, January it shifted. 30th, has it? Yeah, nineteen seventeen has has moved up uh, above Endgame. Okay, uh, my favorite. Well, that's good because that means I'm getting better odds for my nineteen seventeen pick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, what last year it went to um, uh, first man. First man, yep, first man, yep. which. You know, none of the best picture nominees were nominated in visual effects last year, uh, which doesn't generally happen. And I've heard a rule of thumb for visual effects is you pick the winner that is closest to whatever the best picture is going to be. And most of the time that's true. Sometimes uh, something is just too undeniable from the visual standpoint and beats those films anyway. Uh, like a Jungle Book uh, or something to that effect. But I think uh, as as good as the Avengers Endgame effects are, they're very similar to Infinity War. The Lion King is very similar to the Jungle Book. Uh, Star Wars is very similar to Star Wars. And you kind of get... And that leaves you with The Irishman in 1917, and I think you've got so much more to marvel at when you look at 1917. So that kind of makes it an easy one for me to predict yeah I mean so I'm I guess I'm I, there is I think for for most people visual effects ends up becoming the stuff that you see in Endgame or Star Wars um, or even the Lion King so there, there is definitely a ton of visual effects in 1917 but I, I don't think it's as obvious to see um, and I would not be. I would. I would be pleasantly. Uh, I would be I, I, surprised. Isn't isn't the right word? But if, if 1917 pulls it off um, and beats something like Endgame, I'll be happy because I never like movies like Endgame. But uh, when you look at the last ten ten years between the Critics' Choice. Uh, and I, I just looked up VES, by the way, which is the Visual Effects Society. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Visual Effects Society for the feature film, and then and then supporting visual effects as well, and then the BAFTA and the Critics' Choice. This is the first time that each one of those awards has went to a different um, film, with Endgame winning the Critics' Choice, Lion King winning feature, Irishman winning supporting visual effects. <laughs> And then 1917 winning the BAFTA. So from that, the only thing drawing dead at this point is Star Wars, um, as I guess it should. Because yeah. when this is completely off the topic of visual effects, but when critics hate your movie more than the Phantom Menace, <laughs> I can't help. I I can try to argue as much as I want being a Star Wars fan, but uh, I, I have I have other fish to fry. So. <laughs> uh, Star Wars 9 is drawing dead. Um, Endgame has a bunch of experts on it. 1917 has a bunch of experts on it. Looks like no one is on The Lion King. But uh, it's 
Lion King is just the Jungle Book, but a more known franchise. It's everybody loves the Lion King, and I know that this ended up did not doing well um, from a, both the critics and an audience standpoint. But um, if if Jungle Book won in 2016, I don't understand why it wouldn't win. Why the, why the Lion King wouldn't win for essentially the same exact animation. And, and presumably slightly better animation. Yeah. After a couple of years. I mean, there, there were obviously some issues. I know the you didn't get the you know emoting the you know the emotion of, of of the characters because of the type of animation that it was. But um, I I would see I see the Oscars going in the direction of Lion King here. But um, I'm drawing against the fourth. Fourth out of fifth, of, from an odd standpoint on Gold Derby. So I'm uh, I, just so I can win some pools, I might change that. But I I really think that Lion King is the winner here. And, and I I think that's reasonable. Like if I was picking my favorite visual effects of the year, I I would pick Lion King. It's incredible what they were able to accomplish. And I mean, even coming off the Jungle Book, everything looks that much better. After yeah. like three years later, there's no human element in the Lion King to even compare against, and you don't need one because everything is so lifelike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as you said, like it had some struggles critically and with audiences, and like I'm not a huge fan of it as a movie, but it just, you know, I don't I don't know how much better you can get than what you've got going on here. Uh, so I don't, I don't know, it, it doesn't seem like it has a ton of momentum as far as like winning anything else goes. And like, like you said, it, everything, all the awards have split on this category. And so I would not be surprised to see it win, but I think, I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's this sense of. I don't know. I don't know what I feel. I don't know what I feel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I'm not putting... I'm trying to find out if 1917 is considered a UK film or a US film. Um, I'm not putting too much stock in 1917 and, and, and all of their wins of the BAFTAs because I feel like 1917 played more to a UK audience, much like The Favourite did. Definitely. Uh, I, could be, I could be a little bit wrong in that. I'm trying to find that right now. Um, so... While that you know it moved up above Endgame after winning the BAFTA, the BAFTA is the you know second biggest award to win. But I don't for something like visual effects, I don't really want to you know leapfrog. I had Lion King two weeks ago, and you know I'm just going to be stubborn and uh, that, that that could be the difference between me winning the pool if it ends up winning because I don't think too many people are going to have it. So <laughs> it's true, and and you're right. I think you know the BAFTA is obviously a very important precursor to the oscars but especially when you get a film that's as big as 1917 is for awards being so closely affiliated with the uk it you know some it calls into question some of those awards uh, and it's not easy to see like okay well did only win this because it's in the uk like was that what pushed it over the top or is there actually like just a huge amount of love for it in this category and um it's it's a tough 
it's tough when you have a movie like 1917 in like every category, basically. <laughs> so you're on 17, I'm on Lion King. I think that's where we've fallen. Yep. Yep. All right. That's where we're at. Uh, so we've got best sound editing and best sound mixing up next. Uh, this year, they matched up four out of the five nominees across both <laughs> awards. Um, and there's also talk that they're going to combine them, potentially. Let's hope. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, BAFTA, <laughs> BAFTA does. So uh, they're slightly unhelpful in that regard. The four films nominated for both mixing and editing are 1917, uh, Ford v. Ferrari, Joker, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Best Sound Mixing is also seeing a nomination for Ad Astra, and Best Sound Editing also gave a nomination to Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Um, you go first on these. these. <laughs> well, I just, I just wanted to offer up a, a, a post-mortem to John Williams and the nine films that he has been nominated for eight of them and won one Oscar for what is arguably I I tend to not I, I don't know I'm I, I focus a lot on screenplays um, and, and the dialogue and acting and and I, I tend to miss a lot of times the score and the sound I'm trying to get better at it um, but I gotta say in Star Wars uh, each character had a specific uh, little little ditty if you will. Um, we all we all know the Darth Vader ditty that it had, and uh, and he would always do it differently. Sometimes it would be a violin, sometimes it would be a piano, sometimes it would be the entire symphony. Um, I think what John Williams did over the years um, with uh, with sound in in film deserves uh, um, some praise, even though he uh, um, will not win in either of the categories that he's nominated for, either sound editing or, or score. Um, I should have saved that for score, but <laughs> I just saw Star Wars, and I was just like, I, I need to get this off of my mind. So uh, That's fine. That's cool. As far as combining these, I think they need to be, because I've read so much about the difference between sound editing and sound mixing. I know the difference in my head, and then people ask me, and... I can't describe it to people. I know, I, I know that I know the difference, but I like I just become a bumbling, rambling idiot when I try to describe. Well, so it it needs to be one award. Um, I'm splitting it between 1917 for mixing, and um, I'm going Ford versus Ferrari for editing, even though that would be a, a at least a minor uh, upset. I, I felt like the sound. I, I was I saw uh, Ford versus Ferrari twice in the theaters, and uh, they did. I was really impressed by the sound there. Also, can't take anything away from 1917. So if it sweeps those categories, good for it. Phenomenal film. Um, but I would just like to see um, the the way that they cut and mixed. Uh, the car is going back and forth. I, I I was impressed by that. I think it it drew me in. It drew my seven year old in, and and he uh, was able to pay attention to the car scenes. Of course, nothing else. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I 
I would like to see a split in this category. I don't know how many years that happens. Um, but yeah, that that's where I'm at with those two. Yeah, uh, you mentioned split. Last year, both awards went to Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm, yeah. The year before, both awards went to Dunkirk. And the year before that, they split between Arrival and Hacksaw Ridge. So, it's tough. Which one did Arrival win? Uh, editing. Editing, that makes sense. Um, so yeah, if, I, if someone were to ask me, well, why does that make sense that one's editing? I could be like, I don't know. I it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though like I, I i'm with you i i feel as though i understand the difference between editing and mixing but it is not an easy thing to explain to somebody else and i've tried to do it and it, it doesn't work so well um but i i you know i i heard a really good argument for the reason i i know a lot of some of the people who aren't uh, in favor of them combining the two categories like oh well you know one award for um the same like for all these people instead like it's just not as rewarding for the that group of of film technicians but like it's not we don't have an award for best makeup and an award for best hairstyling you know they're the same yep. and i think this is very much in line with that and so if they do end up changing it i will be uh, very supportive of that change uh, I currently think, uh, as I, I assume you do, that Joker and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, you know, they're happy to be nominated, as well as Ad Astra and Star Wars. I think if you, I don't think anybody's winning either of these categories outside of 1917 and Ford v Ferrari. No. Uh, I currently have 1917 winning both categories, though, and. I, I think it's more because I'm worried if I split them, I'll split them the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I don't think, I think there's, it's far more, I, I think it's very unlikely that Ford v Ferrari would win both categories. And so if it's going to be a split, I'd rather make sure I get this, get one of the two right at least. So that's kind of, that's part of why I landed where I am. Um, I also feel, I mean, every 1917 is just, it came out at the perfect time. It's hitting its stride at the perfect time. It's still making buckets of money at the box office and it's like fifth week since it went wide. And, uh, it's on, feels like it's on the forefront of every single, you know, Oscar voters mind right now. So I would not be shocked to see it win both kind of like Dunkirk did. But if there's a split, that's that's also, you know, to be expected. I I would think there's got to be some love for Ford v Ferrari, but I gave it some love somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now, as I'm kind of looking at some of the other trends over the years at the at the different major awards that predict the Oscars, we're we're, we're looking at something that could go either way. I mean. Uh, Ford versus Ferrari and and 1917 have won enough of the big um, the big precursors that uh, and then the other ones like Jojo Rabbit and Rocket Man were not nominated in these categories so um, it's between the two of them and uh, 
I guess it's possible that you get a situation like uh, Mad Max or Hacksaw that didn't win anything in those categories leading up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I think if even I notice the sound uh, in, in a film, then it's between those two. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, <laughs> sounds about right. Okay, moving on from the best sound categories, we have the best song category. Uh, the nominees are... Man, they all start with I... Um, the nominees are I Can't Let You Throw Yourself Away from Toy Story 4 Uh, I'm Gonna Love Me Again from Rocket Man I'm Standing With You Breakthrough Into the Unknown from Frozen 2 and Odd Name Out Stand Up from Harriet I uh, you know I mentioned Toy Story getting this nomination I think I, I don't know. I kind of didn't ex- didn't think. I thought it might miss here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know they love their um, uh, Randy Newman. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. I'm assuming if <laughs> yeah. they had somebody else do it, then they should get kicked out of the category. <laughs> yep, right. Music and lyrics by Randy Newman. Yeah, they yep. love their Randy Newman. Uh, I can't blame them. Um, I think. I, I also, you know, the Harriet nomination, I kind of felt like that would be the Harriet nomination and Erivo would miss. We know that didn't happen either. Mm-hmm. Um, Frozen, of course, was a lock to get nominated here. I think Rocket Man was also a lock to get nominated here. And I was going to say, I would have said, rather, because if Frozen had been nominated for Best Animated Feature, I would think they, this would go Rocket Man since it didn't get nominated anywhere else but that's not the case this is the only nomination for either film and that is a little more interesting perhaps Mm -hmm. but I think the fact that Into the Unknown is just not let it go is crippling it's trying to be let it go and it isn't and I think that's going to hurt it in the long run and it's going to be Rocket Man that walks home with this after also winning the Golden Globe, if I remember correctly. Golden Globe, Critics' Choice Award, um, which are apparently the only two precursors, at least from what I can, from what I understand. Um, and yeah, it's got like 25 or 29 uh, um, experts on on Gold Derby. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing with Frozen too, I, I actually would have, I might have thrown it a bone in this category. I mean, I. The, the Frozen soundtrack, as much as I always want to lob, you know, bombs at, at, at Disney, any chance I can get, which, by the way, is, is why I'm picking Lion King, because when anyone says you just hate Disney, I can say, but I picked Lion King. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I mean, this soundtrack is nothing like The original Frozen soundtrack is incredible, front to back. You can listen to that soundtrack. It, it's such a good soundtrack. Um this one just again just doesn't doesn't compare, but uh, you and I you know talk about this a lot that that uh, original song needs to prop up the film. That's that should be the point of this category. It shouldn't just be the best song to listen to in your car. It should be the best song when watching the film. And that being said, they picked the wrong song in Frozen Two. Show Yourself 
is the premier song in Frozen 2. It is the point in the storyline where, um, get the name right, Elsa <laughs> sacrifices herself. You know, it, it, it is that that is the powerful point in the movie. Plus, the song is better than Into the Unknown. I so, completely agree, 100%. I. I am disappointed that they just nominated, like you said, this is going to be the Let It Go song of Frozen 2 and didn't do the, you know, for your consideration for the best song that really truly in, in embodies the movie and the story that you are trying to tell. Um, so I kind of have that drawing dead. Um, we're not going to talk about Breakthrough. And... Uh, I, I, this might age me a, a, a lot, but when I think of Randy Newman, I just think of uh, the, the Will Sasso impersonation from Mad TV. I don't know if you're familiar with that. Not the impersonation. I know Will Sasso, though. Will Sasso has an amazing, amazing impersonation of Randy Newman. And when you see it, you will replace Randy Newman as Will Sasso, and that will ruin Randy Newman for you. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, and I think Rocket Man was such a good movie. I think it was better than Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Uh, so unique and, and just different. And I think it all it it embodies the the person that Elton John was. And then this song comes in, which I think uh, again propped up the movie. Yep. That being said, I just want Arrivo to get the EGOT. In the shortest amount of time. Okay. So I don't know what to do. I got Rocket Man winning, but I might just be like, no, I. And again, I don't like credit songs. I don't like songs that run in the credits. I think that cheapens the song. But um, I just kind of like being a part of of history and being a. I, I if I would if I had to vote, I'd probably vote for Stand Up just to just so she can beat John Legend. <laughs> And she would be the only the second black woman to win an EGOT other than Whoopi Goldberg. Right. That would be cool, too. So. Yeah, a lot of uh, potential history to be made uh, via Harriet. And she obviously is not going to win for her performance. So, Ariva, that is. Uh, yeah. So, this is the spot uh, where it could happen. Yeah. Uh, I think... I don't know. I, I mean, I, I have, I have stand-up third behind into the unknown um but i don't feel confident at all in into the unknown as a contender really so i wouldn't i could see it uh but i think i don't know i think i think the the pull toward elton john is just so strong that it's going to be tough to beat that yeah yeah so i think that'll be definitely be the winner i I think, uh, and, and when I fill out my bracket, I'm going to choose with my mind and not my heart. I, I'll submit two brackets. I'll submit a brain bracket <laughs> and a heart bracket. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So you alluded to it earlier. Uh, best score uh, via talking about Star Wars. It is one of the nominees for best original score alongside 1917, Joker, Little Women, and Marriage Story. And it feels odd um, 
this, you know, we're what, three, six, nine, ten, eleven categories in right now, and we're just now getting... Oh, we're not. I don't know what I'm thinking. Ignore all that. That is stupid. I guess because we never really talked about Joker in the sound categories, I didn't think we'd talked on it, talked about it at all. But... Well, I mean, not to interrupt, but before, you know, I had a, I had my own shortlist before the shortlists came out. I only had Joker getting four or five nominations, and then it got 11, yeah. which I think shocked a lot of us. So I think that there's a lot of categories here where Joker got a nomination, and I, I think either, either it's going to win, like, 10 Oscars, and, and, I mean, and set a record, because I don't know what the Academy's thinking, because... Usually, when not when when a when a movie when a film gets more or less, that signals something. And I don't know what to think about Joker getting across the board the most. No- I thought it was a great film, but the most nominations. I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what what that means and why. Yeah, I was. I'm kind of in the same ballpark. I thought it was going to get just a handful of nominations. I thought it was going to do well, but. Uh, it really exceeded expectations. You know, I kept just kept just seeing its name: cinematography, sound editing, sound mixing, film editing, makeup and hairstyle. You know, we're gonna get all these categories, and it's there in all of them. Um, and you know, contrary to that, you know, you you look at its uh, run up to the Oscars from a winning perspective, and it's not winning boatloads of os- of awards. It's always gonna get Phoenix. And it's been getting score on pretty much everywhere, uh, which is feels like the two big categories that it, it kind of has a hold of at the moment. I mean, I mean, Phoenix, I guess, would be a lot stronger, a lot, a lot more of a lock in, in actor than it is in score, I would say. But definitely the favorite uh, to win best score. And I think it's going to. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at the BAFTA, the Critics' Choice Award, the Golden Globe, and then the um, Society of Composers and Lyricists. It's won everything. Yeah. So um, my my kind of throw throw over to you is well, first, what what about the score in Joker is having it walk away? Nothing. <laughs> That's the thing. Like I. <laughs> I, I think the, I, I like the movie enough. Um, I guess if, you know, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think Joaquin is great in it, but I, I personally feel like 1917 score is better. I even think Little Women's score is better. Um, I, you know, I've, I've seen Joker twice and you know except for you know the the drawn out dancing sequences that he does the score throughout the rest of the movie is is unremarkable for me and un, and i think like in 1917 the score just permeates through the whole thing and and it's really uh it just it's just constantly there it helps you with you it helps the emotional uh ebb and flow of that film much better in my opinion and to that effect, I think 1917 is the only other contender. But if 1917 can't win the BAFTA, I don't see how it can win the Oscar. Yeah, I get, since 2010, there's been four four films have won the Golden Globe, the Critics' Choice, and the BAFTA, and they've all won the Oscar. Yeah. Uh, 
The Artist, Hateful Eight, La La Land, and Shape of Water. Um, all very different movies than The Joker. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I guess I, The Hateful Eight, I mean, yes, you kind of put that in the realm of Joker, but um, it's still, still a little bit different. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think this is one of our first, compl- oh, other than international film, um, I think this is a complete lock. I agree with you. I would love to see 1917 um, or really any one of these, these other ones. I'd love to see him throw John Williams a bone. What, you didn't say anything at my, I mean, I don't expect anyone to say anything when I rant because they should just be like, just, just stop talking. But are you in agreement with what I said about John Williams or am I just completely off my rocker? Uh, you know, I mean, John Williams is like a legend. I, I think all his Star Wars scores have been pretty good to great, uh, depending on, you know, which movie you're watching. I think for me, the rise of Skywalker, I wish it, he plays, it's like you said, you know, like we all know the Darth Vader theme. And like the Imperial Death March, like those are huge, iconic themes that he has created for the Star Wars franchise. And I don't, I never feel any of that from this new, new trilogy. Sure. And I think, and I, you know, like there's plenty of, like, I'm not, I couldn't hum you a a melody from 1917 either for what that's worth. (laughs) But I, I think there's just a sense to me that he is, Obviously, he's creating new music for these movies, but it doesn't feel like it's quite as uh, imaginative, maybe. Maybe that's not the right word, but I don't know. I, I feel like there's a an iconic element missing from what he's done with the most recent Star Wars movies. Sure, I can see that. Yeah. You know, far be it from the Oscars to award based on individual merit. Uh, they love to give out their legacy awards. And just going to mention that. I was just going to ask that too. Well, I mean, cause you're looking at, from what I hear, I mean, I, I think if there weren't other Star Wars movies on the horizon, there'd be a stronger possible push for that. Mm-hmm. I'm still hearing that Williams is done. He's not doing any more Star Wars films, at least. Yes. The rumors that I'm hearing, and if that's true, I could see that happening here. But it's getting zero love anywhere, so I certainly wouldn't pick it. But um, it's just sad that 40 years from now, I mean, people will still be talking about the Star Wars scores that were created by John Williams and <laughs> through <laughs> a 10, 11 movies that he did. Um, he won one. <laughs> Which yeah. I mean, I guess I let's be honest. You won an Oscar. Well, I'm not. I'm not going <laughs> to shed too many tears for you. But still. Yeah, and I mean, even also going off of that, uh, Thomas Newman, who does 1917 score, is one of the most nominated composers who's never won. Oh, interesting. Okay. And you know, there. I, I think that's a part of why 1917 is the only challenger to Joker, but. I mean, you know, it's it's just not enough. I don't think. I I think that you know the the evidence is is apparent that this is kind of Joker's walking away. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's where we're at. What do we have next? So next we have best production design. 
So the nominees here are 1917, uh, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. First non-international film category for Parasite uh, that we get to. Um, I... So, I think this... A lot of these races that are coin... I think a lot of the races that aren't locks are coin flips. Joker 1917. Um, in best score, not really coin flip. But there's only one other movie that has a chance. Sound mixing, sound editing, coin flip, 1917, Ford v. Ferrari. I think that's true here, too. I think this is Hollywood or 1917. Um, I think Irishman is completely out of it. I if I'm not mistaken, I think Jojo won something for production somewhere, but it might've been, um, one of the more specialized categories at the production guild awards, production design guild awards. Sure. Um, and, uh, as much as I like and, and love the production in parasite, I, I just don't see that taking it here. I think the foreign bias is, a little too strong. Yeah, so I'm looking at so it looks like Parasite and Once Upon a Time won awards at the Art Directors Guild. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood won the Critics Choice Award in 1917. Won the BAFTA. Um, I I have to take myself out of any subjective ability to make. Uh, decision when Parasite is involved this year because uh, again I, I think it may be a near perfect film uh, but from a production design standpoint I think the basement was pretty cool and what they did with the with the pantry um, you know was <laughs> pretty interesting and the whole house and the setup and then the uh, the place that they lived in underneath the street that was I mean so there were some really cool elements in in Parasite but I think um, there's going to be a number of categories that I still think with it's Tarantino it's a movie about Hollywood and it's a movie about an actor that changes a part of history and so I'm if, if there's a, a chance to give Hollywood an Oscar I think it's going to happen uh, so I'm kind of leaning towards this one, even though there's a couple of, of parts in 1917 that I think that the production design, even even the I think the bunkers um, are are exceptional. I think that scene where he's running through that town and people are shooting at him, mm-hmm. uh, I think is um, is incredible. And again, I don't know how much of that is. You know, you've got to give a nod to the production design but again i was just enamored by the cinematography and the the one-shot aspect of of uh um apparently the non-film editing that was done for for that movie the fact that they set that whole movie up among 10 miles and they did it in one shot and didn't edit anything is pretty phenomenal to me so be sarcastic i'm sorry no i i I agree like i think 1917 has definitely got a case to make yeah um and and winning the bafta helps uh but i have felt from the beginning that this was hollywood's to lose uh you know 
in you know in addition to the fact that it's a movie about hollywood and and it's tarantino and all these other elements like leo and brad and and so on it I, you know the i remember when the movie came out and everybody's talking like oh my goodness the budget on this was you know some obscene number and it is an obscene number and i think you can see why it's an obscene number when you look at the sets and production in that movie it it's you know they talk a lot of the times when we talk about film editing we talk about the film with the most editing hollywood has the most production design by far and on top of that it's all really really good so i don't have any qualms picking it it would be my pick out of the out of the five for sure and i um i it's not a lock i think 1917 is is definitely a contender but I I think it's going to be Hollywood for production. I yeah I I, I got Hollywood uh, winning the only I think the only way that 1917 wins here as opposed to say sweeping the sound categories that we talked about which I think is much more likely for them is if there's a night where if 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 1917 mirrors the BAFTAs and it's nearing you know seven six seven eight of the 10 categories that it got nominated for that it's going to pull off and, and, and upset here um, where it's just, it's just railroading the competition because everybody loves it, which I, it's probably my second favorite movie this year uh, beside parasite. Um, so I can see that happening, but I think the odds on favorite um, if you're just judging the category as you should, as the voter <laughs> should do, if you're just judging the quality of what we're talking about here, I would agree it's Hollywood. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, we have Best Makeup and Hairstyling, which, thankfully, is now a five-nominee category. I, about friggin' time. <laughs> uh, it is so ridiculous that they were allowed to get away with three nominees for however long they did. Uh, I just want to pour one out for the fact that they didn't do this earlier, so that my movie It wouldn't have got it. It would it would have gotten a nomination if it had they expanded it to five, at least in my opinion. I, I it think wouldn't so. Won. It wouldn't have won, but I at least wanted. I had told people for so long It is going to get an Oscar nomination, but I forgot that category only had three, so I was wrong that year. Right. <laughs> I yeah, I think that's probably true. You know, and ugh, man. So um, the five nominees for best makeup and hairstyling are 1917, Bombshell, Joker, Judy, and Maleficent, Mistress of Evil. Uh, this, I mean, all these movies have some pretty strong makeup and hairstyling going on, I think. But I, 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 I. I've been I, I I think I as well as most other people and, and I'm sure the odds and, and picks back up the fact that Bombshell is not only the favorite, but I think it's it's a pretty safe bet to win here. Yeah, I don't I don't see how you're going with anything else um, on this one. All most of the precursors have all went to Bombshell and in a dominating year like that, um, Darkest Hour, Mad Max were the only other two that ran away 
with previous awards like uh, Bombshell has done with the Critics' Choice, BAFTA, the um, what what does it stand for? The the Muas, uh, the makeup artist and hair hairstylist. Sounds like a kiss. Mwah. Um, <laughs> Makeup artist and hairstylist, they won three. Joker won another one. Um, so yeah, I think this is one of those like top five um, in the bucket. If you pick against it, you're not trying to win your pool. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, the odds give what Joker and Judy slightly better odds than the other two to make it, but Slightly. you know, it's it's a really not not much of a chance there for them at all as far as i'm concerned that's an easy one um cool so they gave us more options and it's just easier to predict (laughs) and i mean it in its defense it did a really good job i mean i was still in in watching that film i was getting you know because the whole point was you know Fox made it seem like all blonde women looked the same, and I knew all I knew all three of these actresses. And aside from Margot Robbie, I sometimes was like, "Wait, who's playing Megyn Kelly again?" I literally I kept forgetting because they just uh, they, they they put the little facial prosthetics on her so well, um, and they they really made her look that role. Gretchen Kelly, they made they made Nicole Kidman look like her. I mean, they and then you know not to forget. When I when they had John Lithgow come out at uh, Roger Ailes, that was that ruined John Lithgow for me. But uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I think this is a well-deserved runaway, um, especially when again, I don't like in this category. I'm not a huge fan of, and I just mentioned that it should have gotten a nomination. I'm being a hypocrite here um, when it's. When you're given a nomination because one person is in really good makeup and hair, like in Judy and Joker, which is really where those nominations are likely coming from, as opposed yeah. to your cast that that has, um, you know, the makeup and hair. So uh, that's usually what I look for in this category is more than just one person. Right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Bombshell definitely stands taller than any of these other nominees, and uh, deservingly, deservedly so. Cool. So next up, we've got Best Film Editing, and the nominees are 1917. Oh, no, it's not. Sorry. No editing in 1917, because you don't need to edit a movie when it's one shot. Uh, The nominees are Ford v. Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, and Parasite. Um, So... 1917 missed. Birdman also missed. So I guess missing isn't a huge surprise from a stats standpoint. It's still unfortunate, uh, especially when you figure film editors are the ones choosing the nominees, and even they don't respect the job Just there. Crazy. Uh, maybe one day. I don't know. Um, so that, to me, is... I mean, I guess to that point, like, I don't, I think it's missing a lot of places anyway, so it doesn't really hurt the stats on, like, who's going to win this. Um, I think there is a case to be made for Parasite here, absolutely. 
Uh, there is a very weak case for Irishman. Um, I know for me, it's way too long and other people will say, but you're engaged the whole time and that is good editing in a very long movie. I just disagree. So, but I think at the end of the day, this is, this is going to be, this is where they're going to reward Ford v Ferrari for sure. In my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I can't get over the 1917 thing and I get, you know, Birdman didn't, didn't get nominated. Um, but again, like you said, the fact that it is done by film editors, you know that this was not done in one shot, and that is what makes it the one of the most brilliant films I've watched all year. Um, I was engaged the entire time. Again, my biggest knock on 1917 was I tried to I I almost I was so focused on trying to get like a gotcha moment on um, <laughs> on Lee Smith like. Maybe he edited and I can catch it. <laughs> I stopped following the storyline. I was like, "There's no way that this is gonna go the whole movie." And I mean, it was it was amazing. So, and it's winning elsewhere. So I let's not pretend that 1917 isn't getting nominations and wins at other at, at other award shows. But uh, um, I think I think yeah, Ford versus Ferrari. And so. What I, what I was going to say is that if clearly even film editors, uh, I, I've heard so many people on, on on movie boards and movie chats talk about how the Academy only awards the most edited film, and you have to be able to notice and see the editing. And I'd always kind of push back uh, until this year, and now 1917, and now I'm angry, and now I get it. Like, so under under that definition, if it's just the movie that has the most cuts and the most then, first off, Michael Bay should win every year. There's, there's a Netflix movie called Six, Six Underground, and in about an hour and a half, Michael Bay had about 1,200 cuts in that movie, so maybe he should be nominated. Um, but, so in, in that sense, yeah, Irishman keeps you engaged with, with, with the way that they're, you know, cutting back and forth between different actors. But uh, I know you and I are in agreement when a movie is three minutes and, or three minutes, three hours and, and change, um, every single second of that dang movie better, better mean something. It's just too bloated. So I, I would, I really do not want to see this one when editing. And so then it's Parasite and Ford v. Ferrari, and as much as I uh, want to say Parasite because it's Parasite and it should win all six uh, awards that it's nominated for, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, you want to talk about cutting and editing at the right time to keep suspense going. Um, I feel like it does that well, and not just like um, a Vice does it or, or other movies that are just cutting for the sake of cutting. Um I, I felt like it was it was very well done and, and, and keeps you engaged. Yeah, I agree. You know, like uh, racing and, and, and lends itself really well to cutting uh, and, and kind of pumping up the adrenaline in that way. And additionally, you know, I think a movie like Ford v. Ferrari that's based on real events that presumably some of your audience know, know the results of. I wasn't one of those people, but... I know other people were, you know, if you can build that tension and drama in an event that people are aware of already, like that, you know, that shows even more, you know, the, the level of craft on display. And I think Ford v. Ferrari 
absolutely has that. Now, Ford, Ford v. Ferrari and Parasite are both very close in odds and very close in the you know top choice uh, on Gold Derby for whatever that's worth. <laughs> yeah, I think Parasite's a strong number two. Uh, I think I would say if we see an upset from Parasite here, that could pretend to bigger things down the line. You're going to see me get really excited about the last category we're going to talk about. If it wins film editing, I'm going to start like getting up out of my chair and like I'm watching the Super Bowl or something. I'm going to get really excited. Yeah, I mean, this this would be a huge deal for Parasite to win here. I yeah. wouldn't fault it. I think, you know, as as great as Ford v. Ferrari's editing is, I think Parasite's right there with it. And... Um, that would make that would make me really perk up when we get to best director. Uh, I think that there's a lot lot more going on if Parasite takes editing. Well, and and the other thing about this category is I think this is another perfect example of where you know you, you got to look at who won the BAFTA, but Ford versus Ferrari, and you know where uh, the Le Mans race is held. Um, this lent itself well to it going to this movie because again it, it's it it's hosted over in that over in Europe. Um so not sure how much of a precursor that one is, but I still think it wins. Yeah. Yep. I think that's fair. Alright. Um two more tech categories left. Uh, the next one is best costume design. The nominees here are The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, so this is, you know, we, we, we didn't even talk about Joker's film editing, and I don't think there was much reason to. I feel the same way about its costume design. I don't feel like there's any reason to touch on it at all. Uh, I mean, I think the Joker's suits are kind of fun, but like you kind of said, with makeup and hairstyling, like one character is is just not sufficient enough. And so, I think I don't. I've I've since leaned away from Little Women winning anywhere else, and I think this is the place it gets its only win on the night. Not me. But I do have I, I do have it as as the win here. I really would have liked to have seen. Um, I'm probably going to pronounce her name wrong because I pronounce everyone's name wrong. But uh, I wanted to see Jacqueline Duran nominated for 1917 as well. Hmm. Uh, I, I had her on a short list just because I I think it'd be cool to see two same person nominated twice in the same category. <laughs> I don't know how many times that's happened. I'm not a, I'm not an Oscar historian, but I thought that would have been cool. Um, and you could kick Joker out, put her in here twice. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you got to give Greta Gerwig's film at least one somewhere, and I think this is the um, easiest one to give it to. So yeah, uh, you know, I I think one I. I I struggle with like stuff like Jojo Rabbit's costumes are good, but in a movie like that, so many of the characters are wearing identical clothing. And like 
it's authentic it's for the time but it's all the same and like that like and like war movies in particular have hit that aspect of of costume a lot and I, I would say 1917 is similar in that regard but uh i i guess if there's gonna be an upset i would probably call it for hollywood i guess uh, yeah i i don't want to give jojo rabbit anything but <laughs> i mean he taika really nailed hitler i guess <laughs> i guess not that i ever want to be like good job on hitler <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I think uh, much like Bombshell is just heads and shoulders in makeup, I think Little Women is just heads and shoulders in costume. Yeah, yeah. It, it really, I mean, and again, well, we we also know in a number of these tech categories, especially costume, uh, the Academy loves period pieces, mm-hmm. and I think this one nails it. And one of the, one of the number of ways that it nails the period is in costume. So, and with nothing else here standing out, you're not going to give Scorsese in his 18th mob movie a costume design Oscar. No. So, um, yeah, I think that this one is, is another one of those near slam dunks, or at least a layup. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, which brings us to our final uh, tech award of the evening, Best Cinematography. The nominees are 1917... The Irishman, Joker, The Lighthouse, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, so it hasn't been mentioned, but uh, one of the things this ceremony did for the first time ever is have four films receive ten or more nominations. Uh, 1917, The Irishman, and Hollywood all got ten. Joker got eleven. And you really feel that when you go through all these tech categories and you see the same three or four films in every single one, mm-hmm. like they're in, they're in so many of them. And you know, it's, it's the, the lighthouse here or Maleficent in makeup and hair. You know, it's those weird one-offs that yep. uh, feel really, I don't know, nice to be nominated. Congrats. You're, you're at least at the ceremony kind of a thing. Um, which yeah, I think I'm sorry. No, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and I think it's become clear now that we're, you know, coming to the, you know, above the line categories. Um, the Irishman is going to be this year's uh, A Star is Born, where it gets nominated for 10 and m- might walk away with one. Maybe. It, it, might, it might go for 10. Yeah. So. Certainly possible. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for cinematography, you you mentioned it uh, for 1917. I totally agree. Um, I think it, it's you know you, there's so much pressure on the cinematographer in a one take movie, you know, and and to get all the lighting just right. Uh, I think they used natural lighting in almost all the scenes in that movie. Uh, so you miss the shot and you got to wait till tomorrow kind of a thing, which has to be infuriating. And you mentioned the, um, running through the city, uh, that, that night sequence with the shadows. Oh my goodness. It's, it's absolutely breathtaking. I, you know, Deacons earns this one. Absolutely. 
and and deserves deservedly so. I rarely bother with watching like behind the scenes or the making of type type things when it comes to films but if if like the dvd had had one in 1917 i, I think i'd watch that because i i want to know how they put this together so seamlessly um didn't deacons go like oh and 17 didn't i hear that a couple of years ago before he won did he win last year or the year before he won for blade runner so that was two, years, two ago. years ago two years okay. ago so he went oh and 17 and now he's there no way he doesn't win here. Because then he gets two in three years. So he he, uh, he finally got his uh, come up and <laughs> yeah yeah and then yeah I, I he does some some phenomenal work here and I'm glad it's going to be rewarded. I yeah, I, I don't I even have I can't even tell you what the next next best option would be because I I don't know that there is one. I mean if. If they didn't now, let, let's say that they because some of these award shows do give a second place. Mm. Um, I would go with the lighthouse just because that would be creeping me out on such a <laughs> basic level. I still don't understand what fully went on. I know it was creepy. It scared me. Um, I, I will think about that movie for a long time, and not because it, there's a lot of weird things going on there, and I think a lot of it was the cinematography. Yeah, you get the black and white, the yep. aspect ratios. Um, yep. It's you know, if there's a most cinematography or, or something like that, Lighthouse hits a lot of those boxes. Yeah, but um, not this year when you're up against Deacons not. in 1917. Cool. So we have reached the above the line categories, and uh, in fact, your favorite categories. If I'm not my two favorite, let's do it. Yeah, Best Original <laughs> Screenplay is up first. The nominees are 1917, Knives Out, Marriage Story, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Parasite. Why don't you do it? <laughs> <laughs> so what I like about the – you got five solid nominees. I wouldn't say that there's anyone here that is undeserving. Mm-hmm. Um Tarantino is probably personally my fifth one, uh, or I would I would put him fifth, even though I think from an odd standpoint I think he's probably number two. Um, obviously, I, we can't say enough good things about 1917. I just saw Knives Out a couple of days ago, and I wanted to not like it. I tried so hard to not like it. Um, Ryan Johnson and I are not on good terms, but. Uh, Here's the thing, man. Ryan Johnson has some unique uh, ideas. If he comes to me with a with a, you know a, a, a new a new IP idea with Looper Knives Out, I'm all in. Let's go. Um, not gonna give him a CU that's already been developed for three decades, but he can he he has phenomenal ideas. Uh, love Marriage Story. Uh, that was a just raw emotional movie that I thought was uh, heart wrenching from front to back uh, by Baumbach. But uh, if this doesn't go to Parasite, I riot. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's what <laughs> you know. I uh, I kind I echo a lot of what you just said. I think Hollywood's my number five in preference, but I think it's the number two 
you know, it, it wasn't eligible at the WGA because Tarantino is not part of the WGA. But even if it was, I kind of feel like Parasite would have still won. Um, it it's getting I don't know I we'll get to picture and director in a bit and kind of I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about there, but this is I think the of all the sort of you know if Parasite wins this it's going to mean big things this is the one I don't think is going to have as much impact because I think it's the favorite to win here it is right now yeah barely but yeah uh, yeah so um I I all for it all for it I can tell you if Parasite wins film editing and screenplay I'm gonna start popping the champagne <laughs> <laughs> I mean you know uh it's that's a big deal it's a big deal it would yeah. Well, hey, you know, how I, I see, you know, Parasite won the BAFTA um, for original screenplay. Mm. And I'm wondering, I have no, I don't, not, I'm not, I'm certainly not a BAFTA historian. I wonder how many times a foreign language film has won screenplay at the BAFTAs. That's, I, I feel like that's got to be a big deal. Uh, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, I believe it. again, that's one of those things that I would want to tweet at. Ben Zosmer and have him give me some some data on that one, but uh, um, that I I think that's kind of huge. But yeah, and I think it I think it gives it the the ammunition it needs to get over the Tarantino hump uh, of the Oscar. It's a huge hump. The Tarantino hump is a huge hump. Yeah, because <laughs> like I don't, he's not one of the top two for director. And if he, so like he goes home, I mean, the film won't go home empty handed, but uh, Tarantino missing both writing and directing here um, is a big deal. And I think it's only going to mean whatever his 10th film is, is going to overperform. There's going to be so much murder, so much murder and blood in the 10th film. I mean, uh, I've never been a huge Tarantino fan. This isn't his best film. Mm-mm. So. I, whatever. So you shut him out. Like, tell him to stop murdering people. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just, it's not, I'm not a fan. <laughs> um, fun fact. I was, I looked back. The last time a film won a screenplay award and film editing was Argo, which won Best Picture. And didn't have a director nomination. Did not have a director nomination. Uh, but, yeah, that's the last time... That's the last time that's happened too. Is somebody doesn't get nominated for one's best picture? Yep. Interesting. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, all right. So we got Parasite and Original. Best Adapted Screenplay nominees are uh, let's see: Jojo Rabbit, Joker, The Irishman, Little Women, and The Two Popes. Go ahead. <laughs> So I finally get to give some love to a movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I, I thought that Two Popes was was incredibly well done. Um, I would have liked to have seen it get a few more nominations. Uh, I thought both... Uh, well, we'll get into the acting uh, later. I, I thought it was well written. I thought that the dialogue between the two main actors was um, riveting. Um that being said, this is a race between two movies. It's between Jojo Rabbit and Little Women. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, uh, JoJo won the BAFTA and the WGA. Uh, uh, Little Women won the Critics' Choice and the Scripters. And I think it looks like the experts are pretty split on this one. I feel the need to give Greta Gerwig some love here after the whole um, thing with her director snub. Mm-hmm. I think it's a well well written screenplay. And again, I Jojo Rabbit is, is this year's uh, um, Roma in a lot of ways. I think it's a love-hate movie. Um, I understand why people love it. I'm married to somebody that absolutely loved it, but it it just was unsettling for me. And I'm it, I'm going to see Taika in interviews doing new movies, and I'm going to see Hitler. And I, it, I um, even though he did he did a really good job on Hitler, um, I uh, uh, what's her name Mackenzie Thomason or yeah. Uh, I, she she was phenomenal. That that I wish that the Oscars had like I know other award shows have a young a young actor award. Uh, I thought the boy did well. Um, so I, I mean, there's things to enjoy. I just I, the the topic and the, the the humor behind the topic was just not my cup of tea for screenplay. So and I thoroughly enjoyed Little Women. I've never read the book. I've never seen any of the other adaptations, but. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. So that's, that's my winner. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's Jojo or little women at this point. I thought this was going to be little women's pretty handily until Jojo won the BAFTA. Yeah. Uh, I thought little women was going to win there and it missed, which surprised me. Um, I, you know, I, I haven't read Little Women. I've seen, I think, three previous versions of the movie, and I think Greta's is the best of them and the most original uh, of as far as you know how it adapted that story. And uh, I I like JoJo more than you did. I don't. I'm not over the moon about it, but I I enjoyed it quite a bit. And. If if anything's gonna hold it back, it's like you said, it's a love hate thing, and uh, the WGA, uh, the BAFTA are smaller voting bodies than Ampus, and so if if there's enough split, I think most of those quote unquote hates for Jojo Rabbit are gonna be votes in favor of Little Women, and so it's a question of how many people love Jojo Rabbit, <laughs> and I, you know, it got one um, acting nomination for Johansson. It didn't get director, but I don't know. Something, for whatever the reason, uh, maybe it's the fact that it got into film editing uh, that's kind of throwing me off here, but I wish I wasn't, but I'm hedging to JoJo as the winner, uh, even though I'll be absolutely rooting for Greta on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, and and I think for a lot of people, it's it's, it's love hate. I I can't hate on something and then say that part of my reason is <laughs> hate of the topic area. There's a lot that's done well, um, mm-hmm. and I don't even remember what I gave it for a for a score. But I mean, I I didn't do it. I did it with Endgame. I didn't give it like half a star or anything. <laughs> there there's a lot to like here. Um, 
it's just it's funny when 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 I open up my letterbox and I see all these four star ratings for a movie. Same thing happened with uh, Lighthouse, and I'm like, I'm am I stupid? Am I missing something? Like, why why is everybody that I know and talk to about film liking this, and I'm a little bit rubbed the wrong way? So um, I de- I definitely get it though. Uh, so I think I'd be happy with either one of those two. What I don't want to see happen, since I love my screenplay nominees and the winners is if Joker wins in this category I will lose it <laughs> yeah it's I guess if anything's number three for me I'd probably call it Joker just because apparently the Academy loves it giving it all those nominations <laughs> but yeah I would it would be very very surprising to me to see it win here and uh, very disappointing at the same time yeah no thanks. Mm-mm. All right. Um, so we got the next four categories, <laughs> which are all acting categories. And on the one hand, like I'm going to go through each one of them and, and we'll talk about them. But I got to say, I don't think there's any question marks about any of these categories heading into Sunday. But we'll see. Um, I can't argue with you there. No. Yeah. Best supporting actor, uh, you've got uh, Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. I think it's Brad Pitt. He's won everything. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I mean, yeah. He's he swept all all four major award shows, and yep. I, there's only. <laughs> Well, there's only one guy on one expert on gold derby that's going against Brad Pitt. <laughs> Poor guy. And he's going with Anthony Hopkins. So good for him, <laughs> but uh, he's gonna lose his pool. He's not gonna get the points. No, yeah. not a chance. So, all right. Uh, best supporting actress nominees are Kathy Bates, Laura Dern, Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, and Margot Robbie. Uh, very similar situation. Laura Dern has won all the precursors. Yep. I expect her to win again. Can't disagree. <laughs> yep, yep, that's, uh, that's about where we're at. All right, we'll move on. Best Actor nominees are Antonio Banderas, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Jonathan Price, and Joaquin Phoenix. Same situation. Phoenix has won all the precursors. Uh, and even on top of that, I think he gives he's given some of the best acceptance speeches, and um, he's going to win it here. Ah, uh, you stole that one from me. That's what I want to say. <laughs> no, I think if they because the Oscars goes last, they should have a best award speech for the season, and that would also go to walk <laughs> It's true. I, yeah, it's been phenomenal. <laughs> yeah, his acceptance speech at BAFTA was really really good. Um. What, which one did I watch? I think it was... Uh, maybe it was The Globe that I watched or or something that was also... I, I really enjoyed that acceptance speech. The sad uh, one that he gave was was good. I mean, he, he's really just putting his raw emotion and heart out there. Um, and I, I can appreciate that. He's, it's not a canned speech. It's him actually really telling people how, how he's feeling right now. And I think that's... Uh, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, the character of the Joker will win its second Oscar. 
which is kind which of cool. Which wasn't that crazy. Like, it like, had two times in the, it was 2008, so twice in the last 12 years, the, jo- the, the character of the Joker will have won the best actor, the best actor at the Oscars. Um, and for as often as people say that, you know, comic book movies and blockbusters don't, don't get love, I mean... When, when it's done right, and, you know, we, we've kind of knocked on Joker all, all night here, but here's the thing. This movie works well because he took something that I didn't think could ever happen, which was Heath Ledger in one of the greatest performances I've ever seen. He didn't try to emulate it. He did something completely different in the same realm of psychotic, but, like, different psychotic. And that's what I was just baffled by was how he did something so different and unique um, which is why I think all these other nominations bother me because I walked out of that film I love this film I think it deserves a lot of respect but it's because of what he did with what he was given mm-hmm. not all this other technical stuff yeah yeah I think it's interesting you know you look at what Heath, Heath did with the Joker and uh, you know Heath's Joker is all after becoming the joker like there's no scene in the dark knight where he's not joker and in for phoenix's case he gets to kind of show us that transition part which is you know equally as challenging and shows us a a new element of this character that you know we never we didn't see this with nicholson absolutely did not see anything close to this with jared leto and shouldn't even be mentioned in the same breath um (laughs) you know he he is is you know if if we're if we're even ranking like best performances gender and and lead slash supporting aside he's like top two for me probably if not or maybe top three i might add but you know it just it's it's so good and deserving yeah um i i also just want to give a quick nod to antonio banderas i thought his performance in pain and glory was uh um, there were a couple scenes, especially uh, when he finally has the scene with uh, his his old lover. That was that was powerful. The scene with his mother. Um, I was kind of surprised by this nomination until I saw the film. I thought like De Niro would get one or something like that. Um, but man, he he delivers a rock solid performance. And we're in another year that didn't have someone like Phoenix. Um, I thought that I think this would be getting discussed a lot more. Yeah, I agree. I think um, I wasn't a huge fan of Planet Glory. I like the movie. I think it's a good movie. Uh, But I think Banderas is kind of the heart and soul of it. And uh, his performance is a little little more subdued than, say, Drivers or Phoenixes um, or even, you know, even DiCaprio's, but just as worthy and uh, I think deserves to be here. And then worthwhile for pain and glory, for sure. Uh, which leaves Best Actress. Uh, nominees are Cynthia Erivo, uh, Scarlett Johansson, Saoirse Ronan, Charlize Theron, and Renee Zellweger. Renee has won all the precursors and pretty much everything else. Um... So she's going to win again. <laughs> and she has every single expert on Gold Derby is going with her. There's not even one whole... There's a holdout in all these other three for actor. Um, no one's going against Renee. Oh, man. 
I'm going against Renee. You're going against Renee. <laughs> At least for now. Again, I will, you know, <laughs> I will cower it out on Saturday night when I fill out my final pool. Um, <laughs> but right now, I I really like, I, I, I got to give Marriage Story something else. And I thought between Scarlett and Adam, uh, that dynamic between the two of them was phenomenal. That whole movie is so amazing. Um, I had Baumbach as my fifth director, which we'll get to in a second. Um, and so, and I honestly just didn't like Judy. I, for all the talk about how it honors Judy Garland's legacy, I felt like she really portrayed her in a kind of a trashy way. Maybe that was the point. I don't know. I just did. I didn't like the performance, and it left me with a almost scarred view of somebody that, well, I didn't know much about, was like an American icon, and she played her as this, you know, chain-smoking, drug addict, angry woman, for good reason, obviously had a horrible childhood, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but right. I, I just, it was one of those things where... Um, and she's she's gonna win. I'm gonna take the knock in whatever pool I enter if I don't change. But uh, this is one where I'm just going against the grain just for the just for funsies. Yeah, I I echo a lot of that. I I do not. I I respect what Zellweger did. I think I'm not. I, I've seen a couple of uh, Judy Garland films. I don't know a ton about her real life. I, mm-hmm. I think the events portrayed. Are accurate. I don't know exactly how accurate the portrayal of the character of, of Judy herself was necessarily, um, and we don't get to see a ton of the span of her life. The movie is fairly condensed into the later stages of her yep. um, declining career, and I think she's good in it, but I wouldn't have even made my nominations list. Uh, and yet, here she is. She's won literally everything yep uh so i if if there was a category that i i i I hope would would go against the grain this is the one i'd pick but i i don't have any hope for it i don't uh, you know i would love for scarlet to win Uh, i thought charlize was fantastic in bombshell but uh was was really good and yeah was good uh, but I think this is going to end up as Renee's, and it's I, I, at the she won the BAFTA, and um, right after Joaquin did, and like her acceptance speech just was just so bad in comparison to oh, his. I, I, I missed that one because like he he like waxed poetic about you know yeah. inclusion and, and representation, and then she just jumped up and was like thanks to this person and thanks to this person and it just it rang so hollow you know by by comparison which is disappointing yeah um and you know we've cut a lot of time off of last year's (laughs) podcast by doing there's one thing that we haven't done which is talk about the uh films or people that we would have put in instead right last year but uh lupita deserves um, for sure. Especially with the, you know, Oscar so white for the last 50 years. Um, she's won everywhere. I mean, she's been winning 
a ton of awards where she's been nominated and we talked about that in February we were like is, is this going to be a performance that lasts a year from now and it absolutely has and I, I feel when I look at these five nominees and I look at who's running away with, any, with everything um, Lupita deserved at least the respect of a nomination now I don't know other than if I if I can't kick Renee out because she's won everything, I don't know who in that list of four I kick out because I like those performances as well. And again, out of eight hundred movies, we're talking about the top five. It's it's the elite of the elite of the elite. But um, so I don't really like talking about snubs, but Lupita deserves to be in here. So I I absolutely agree. I was I predicted her to make it. I was very upset that she didn't. Uh, and I, I, I guess for me, it, I feel like I would remove Erivo, but I also don't like the optics of removing the only black nominee and rep- yep. for the other, you know, like the just, it seems like it's just frustrating. <laughs> yeah. All the other categories, you know, are just all light skinned, um, you know, including you know, even Banderas is the only other like non actually white person yeah uh, and he's fairly close to white uh as close as you can kind of get and yeah being spain from spain but uh yeah oh man lupita was fantastic in in us was. so uh with the acting categories kind of being uh pretty much determined already director is a little bit more open than that Best Director nominees this year are uh, Sam Mendes, Bong Joon-ho, Todd Phillips, Martin Scorsese, and Quentin Tarantino. I thought, I you know, when The Irishman came out, it was this big deal. Uh, Martin Scorsese with Al Pacino, with Robert De Niro, with Joe Pesci coming out of retirement. I mean, man... That of all the like, you just you say the names together, and it's like, how does this not win like twenty Oscars? <laughs> uh, Tarantino, his n- penultimate film, assuming he actually retires after ten. Uh, then you hear, man, Sam Mendes is making a war movie that's all one take. That's a huge deal. Uh, and then, if, and then you have Bong Joon Ho in the first ever Oscar nominated film from Korea from a guy who's made some of the best Korean movies. And then I would even say best movies, uh, in the last like 20 years. Um, there are four obviously like qualified candidates in this category and Todd Phillips, (laughs) unfortunately, I I can't argue that I, I had looking at my short list here, I had Phillips on there, but I had 15 names on 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 here. Uh, I probably would have put John Favreau above Todd Phillips for The Lion King before him. Um, so you kick Phillips out. Who who who's your fifth? I think, I think we all had these four. Who who would you put, who would you have put in? I I went back and forth between Baumbach and Gerwig um, when I was predicting. I think I landed on Gerwig, uh, but I I would expect if it was. I kind of feel like if they actually had six nominees, that Baumbach would get number six instead. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I think they were both very, very close. 
I, I think that you know, again, when, when you're talking about this many movies that that are that can be up for consideration, the difference between fourth and fifth, the fifth and sixth is a is a hair, right? Mm-hmm. I, I I had Bombac as my fifth, and then Gerwig as my sixth. Yep. Uh, I'm really sad that Bombac didn't get in there because I, I really enjoyed that movie. That was probably one of my top five films of the year. Um, and I just I can't believe that because of Joaquin, people like Phillips gets a nomination because his actor just acted out of his mind. You know, like yep. and then and then stole a spot from either Gerwig or Bomb. I, I wouldn't care who, which one got in, but one of those two at least because if I truly believe in the in the cliche of it's just a it's it, it's an honor to be nominated because again to be in the top five of eight hundred films is phenomenal. Um, and Phillips just is not is not deserving. And I would I even even Taika um, would would be more worthy than Phillips. Yep. So. Yep. Yeah. But I don't think this one is as as close as. Um, as you're saying it is, or that I want it to be. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so either. Um, I d- it's it's a lot closer than the acting races for sure. And <laughs> um, I wish I I really wish Bong had won one other precursor. Mm-hmm. I think that makes this almost a dead heat. But uh, I think you know he's not going to win BAFTA against Sam Mendes. And uh, too many of the other awards went his way, uh, so I I'm predicting Mendez. There's definitely a chance Bong takes it, and I kind of feel like if Bong did win director, he there's not a chance. It, it's weird. I think Bong winning director probably he would have they would have to still have to, uh, win screenplay and film editing for me to think he'd win best picture, but. I could see where he wins director and then they don't get picture because they give it to Sam Mendes for 1917 because it doesn't win any of the other. I don't know. It's um, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. But I, I think it's going to be Mendes and uh, he's going to take home his second best director win. Yeah, I think it's Mendes too. Um, I want it to be. I want it to be Bong. Um, and again, I will cheer loudly. But uh, I, I I just I don't see it in the cards with, with all the precursors. You, you can't win the Directors Guild, the Globes, the Critics' Choice, and the BAFTA. Um, and, I mean, Long won a Critics' Choice, too, but I believe that was director for, for foreign, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't know what his Critics' Choice one was. They Both both Mendez and Vaughn won a, a Critics' Choice. Um Mm-hmm. But yeah, like I said, he, he if he could have won the like if he could have just won the DGA, um, then I would have been maybe he can pull this off. But at this point, and, and like you said, 1917 is in theaters right now. I always think that matters. It's trending up. People are talking about it, um, and I believe voting is open through Friday. Is that correct? I think it ends today, actually. Oh, does it end today? Yes. I mean, even even then, I mean, it it it's not like you know it ended two months ago or a month ago or anything like that. I mean, so I I, I think that you know Parasite loses a little bit of steam um, to a film like 1917 right now. Yeah, I mean, like 1917 made more money when it went wide in one weekend than Parasite made in like 
80% of its entire theatrical run, which even still, like, Parasite has done really, really well stateside for a foreign language film at the box office, and uh, probably a lot better than Roma would have done if it hadn't even been a Netflix movie, as far as I'm concerned, but it's uh, it's not going to be enough, I don't think, for Bong to win director. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to know. It'd be nice uh, if Netflix would report their box office earnings for those few weeks that they're in the theaters. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I mean it, it, it's so frustrating because I I have been preaching for three months now for everybody I know to go see Parasite. They're like I've never heard of it. I'm like, yeah, it's a, it, it's a movie of South Korea. It's been out in. They're like, yeah, but I don't want to read a movie, and I just I lose my ever loving mind. Like, and again, I don't watch a ton of foreign language films. I I under I get it. I. I you know, I'll read a book. If, 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 but, but if somebody's telling me that something is one of the best movies of the year, I think I can handle some subtitles. Yeah. I, I mean, again, I'm not going to be watching 50 foreign language films a year. I don't have the time for that. But I absolutely will watch Burning and Farewell and Parasite, and I even watch Roma. If if you can get through Roma, you can get through anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true. Like um, I've seen Parasite. I saw Parasite twice. I haven't. I didn't see it in theaters, but um, man, I I'm glad. Like at least people within like the the FML circle seem to have all seen it, uh, which makes me happy. And uh, yeah, it you know it's like the highest rated movie on Letterboxd. Like that is a huge deal. Um, and it, it's yeah, it, it's above Godfather. So let I mean, let's uh pour, pour a little out for Parasite because it's it's it has a lot going against it, mm-hmm. and it's well, it's a, a, a four point six, which means every time somebody gives it a four, it's pulling its ratings out. I know, man. <laughs> uh, so you know. Let me. Get- no, go ahead. I, I'm just going to say, like, even if it comes away with a somewhat underwhelming performance uh, on Sunday, it's not leaving the conscious, right? Like, it, this is a movie that's going to continue to be talked about and referenced and compared to next year. Whatever the best foreign language movie is going to be, like, is it as good as Parasite? Well, yeah. it needs to be kind of a thing. <laughs> for, the re- for, like, the next 10, 15 years, I think that's going to happen. And, well... And- how many nominations did Roma have last year? It had uh, more than it. It had. I, I don't have my. Sh- I don't want to. I'm lazy. I don't want to. It, it, my... it got ten. It got ten. It got two Whoa. acting nominations. That's right. Okay. Which was a big deal. But Roma didn't win SAG Ensemble, so you know. Yeah. Let me ask you a little bit of a sidebar question here. Um, I'm I'm about to watch it a second time here soon. I think it might be close to being like my 11th or 12th perfect rated film. What makes it not quite perfect for you? I want to know. Man, so I recorded the first half of my personal awards episode this morning. And um, one of the categories I've already gone through is screenplay. And I, not to take anything away from Parasite screenplay, I think it's one of the best screenplays I've ever seen. Uh, or, or red or whatever you want to say but 
the one thing that I, I hinted at, if, if there's anything I can knock it for, it's this. And Parasite is a, for such a like confined story, it's you know primarily I would say at least more than fifty percent of it takes place in the rich family's house and so on. There's a lot of characters at play, right? You've got the four family members from the lower class family, the four family members from the upper class family. You've got all the workers that worked for the upper class family that they kick out, uh, and and so on. And outside of, or rather not even outside of, but just the arc of those characters and the development and growth of those characters felt non-existent sometimes. Mm. Like I, I, I love the story. I think the themes and the messages within the story are absolutely perfect and so representative of so many things happening right now. But I look at, you know, Song Kang Ho's character and, you know, his his wife and his son and his daughter, and I compare the character that they are at the beginning of the movie to the one they are at the end, and they feel like the same person. They don't change. Okay. Uh, like if, that. If anything I can hurt hit on the movie against, that's probably the only thing that comes to mind. Sure. And and it's not even a huge knock. Like I don't think every movie, your all your characters from like top build to extras need to develop at all. But <laughs> sure. you know, there's like a you know ten or so characters in Parasite, and I don't think any of them change. Like I don't think any of the upper class characters go from you know turning their noses up to lower class people to oh these guys have merit and they don't. Like they feel the same way about lower class people at the end that they do at the beginning and. I would even go so far as to say that's part of the point, but it does feel like it misses something by doing that mm-hmm. as minuscule as it might be. But yeah, it's a, it's a damn fine film <laughs> all, you know, all top to bottom. Very, so, uh, I guess we got to talk about best picture. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so last year when we did this, we started with, we we each went up one notch at a time. What we had, you know, positioned at the bottom to the top, and we we last year we both ended up with Black Panther, uh, which turned out to be incorrect, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, because the interesting thing is, all these other categories we talked about are plurality votes. So whatever yep. gets the most votes wins. Best Picture doesn't do it that way. They do preferential ballot. So everybody in Ampus ranks all the movies. They look at how many movies get a first uh, ranked first, or how many times a movie is ranked first. And if no movie has hit a 50% threshold, they kick out whatever got the least, and your next highest vote uh, is what counts. And that really does change the way you predict this category, I think. Um, because like clearly there's a lot of love for Joker, but it's different when it's a plurality vote and a preferential ballot vote uh, for that type of a movie that isn't, yeah. you know, as universally loved. It's it's got a lot of a lot of love, but I don't think it's quite as unanimous as some of these other films, and it's not going to be. I think it's the kind of movie that if it doesn't win the first time, it probably doesn't win the second or the third or the fourth. Yep. In that sense. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess. So we'll... are we doing our our personal top nine, or are we going in order of what how we want? Because 
I forgot what we did last. I think we did what we expected them to do. Yes, that's what I was thinking. Okay. Is that how you're looking at them? I can do that. Okay. I can we do that. Okay. I'd like to think it's similar, but let's be honest. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah same. <laughs> but uh, So this will be from 9 to 1 uh, as far as what I think and what you think are least to most likely to win Best Picture. Yeah. So my number 9 is Ford v. Ferrari. Same. All right. I think... Of all the nom, it it just feels like the odd man out. It mm-hmm. uh, it didn't even get a screenplay nomination, <laughs> so it didn't get any acting nominations, director, screenplay. Film editing was all it got in the major and yeah. predictors. Yeah. Uh, according to Ben, <laughs> so yeah, I think I think that one's easily drawing dead. Even from a rank choice, I think no one's gonna have that in their top three or four <laughs> so yeah i agree uh my number eight is marriage story what yeah are you i'm disappointed <laughs> i'm very sad about it and so and that, that's not your personal that's what you think the academy will do right Correct. is that a netflix thing for you uh it it, it it's a factor for sure uh bombback misdirector and uh, I think Marriage Story isn't, I wouldn't consider it a top two uh, for screenplay either. So I think it ultimately falls below. But I could, I could see it at seventh um, over my number seven, uh, which we'll get to, because I think it, it shares a lot of similarities uh, with the next movie I'm going to talk about. Sure. So my... My number eight would be Jojo Rabbit, and I'm I'm sure that a little bit of that is 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 personal, um, but I I do think that you know, I'm not the only one that is kind of saying that this is a you know a love or hate type film, and again in that rank choice type model, um, once you start giving up those um, nines and eights, uh, I, I think that there's gonna be a lot of of Jojo Rabbits that end up getting reallocated right away, so. I, that's fair. Uh, it it kind of feels like it's in a similar position to Joker with just less support, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my number seven is The Irishman. <laughs> uh, it shares the Netflix with Marriage Story. I think both of them are going to co- go home pretty disappointed. Uh, you know, Marriage Story is going to win Dern, but I don't think e- any other award is going to be won by either of those movies. And the only reason I put it above Marriage Story is that it got all the nominations, it got director, it got a, you know, it got more, uh, didn't get more acting nominations, but um, it got editing and Marriage Story missed that. So it's, it's a slim margin, but I barely have Irishman over Marriage Story as my seven. No, and I actually agree with you on that one. And for me, it's ma- it's mainly just length. Um, I get get the stat wrong. It would it is either the fifth longest nominated best picture, or would be the fifth longest best picture winner. Okay. Uh, yep. And then on top of that, you have the Netflix factor, and so with so many other strong films to choose from, I, I just think that th- those two hurdles, 
in a category like Best Picture, um, I, I don't think it. And, and again, if we get to this point and we're hitting eighty percent of our, our of our predictions, it hasn't won anything else. It's now it would it would have been zero and nine going into this category. Yeah. So you're not going to get ten nominations, lose the first nine, and then win Best Picture. No. Uh, even Green Book won more than that before going in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh, very, very, very unlikely. Um, yeah. Uh, so my number six is JoJo. I think it. I, I moved it up. I think it, I had it eighth before, but I moved it up with uh, the love it's been getting for its screenplay. I think it's still a very, very long shot to win, but. I think it is a little bit better of a shot than than the other ones I've already mentioned because of the potential screenplay win. Yeah. So mine, we're on six now, right? I'm, yes. I'm having to rescore mine here. Um, <laughs> it would would be Joker, um, and oh. I know that now I've nixed out two of the four that have gotten ten or more nominations. <laughs> um, but again, I feel like Joker is going to kind of hit that same issue that a Jojo Rabbit is going to hit. I think there's a lot of love for it. Obviously, it got 11 nominations, but um, I, I think there's going to be a huge... And, and again, I wish... This is kind of a, a off-topic rant, but you know, there's so many other major award shows where they, they publish those ranked like MVPs in sports and the Heisman Trophy. They show you the first, second, third, fourth place mm-hmm. votes. Right? Um, I'd be... I'd, I'd pay money to see that vote. I, I want to know how yes. many, how often, how many votes do you, like, every year do you go to the fifth ballot? Do you usually go to only the second ballot? Because I think at some point Joker suffers from being a lot of people's one, but again, it's, it, it was Phoenix's movie. It, it wasn't technically great throughout everything else, and I think you have Oftentimes, as we've seen, literally even the last two years, as much as Green Book was controversial, a safe bet. You got to find a safe bet. I don't see Joker as being a safe bet. No, I, I agree. Um, I think it's it's going to end up. I don't know. You know, it could. You know, maybe when the night comes, if it wins one or two texts that we're not expecting, it could pretend something in the future. But I, I really. It's it's really really unlikely uh, that it can overcome the preferential ballot uh, type of voting style. I think, like you said, there's going to be a lot of ones. There's going to be a lot of seven eights and nines too. Um, just like JoJo's going to get. Uh, that said, uh, my number five is not Joker. <laughs> it's Little Women. Unfortunately. Oh. Where I, I'm actually in the same boat uh, on that one, and again, it didn't get a director nod. Um, it yep. didn't get it didn't get film editing, um, and so then you're you're looking at from a precursor, you're looking at screenplay. I mean, you need film editing, cinematography, uh, screenplay, and director. You know, those are the big ones. You you, you can win without acting um, nominations, but um, it doesn't uh, it it doesn't have those ones, and so I, I just uh, I, I think it could get propped up because 
um, Greta didn't get her director nod, but and, and it, again, it, I will say this year, unlike you know, when we were, talking, I think a lot there, there isn't a single movie that I think is a bad movie in this list. I think that needs to be mentioned. Unlike last year, I think you and I both had whether it was Green Book or Roma movies that we didn't like at all. Yep. Um, none of these movies I would say were awful movies. No. There isn't one that they just completely biffed on. Um, so at least at least there's that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Like I, as as much as you know, I I bad mouth Joker or whatever. I still like Joker to a degree. Like I can't say that about all the nominees from last year. Yeah. And uh, it's 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 nice to not, you know, it it kind of forces the the narrative to kind of turn against something that is actually a good movie which sucks uh <laughs> but um it i'd rather have that than to be worried that something like bohemian rhapsody is going to win best picture or you know roma or whatever it might be yeah um so so my number four is joker that it, it i give it a little bit more credit um Getting that director nomination, man, it it sucks, but it did, and I, I gotta respect the I gotta respect it for that. But it it is kind of to me, Joker feels like the best, uh, the best possible, or rather, the most likely film of all the films I don't think are likely. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a clear dis- gap between the bottom six and the top three. Did you say that? Because I think that there's a big uh, delineation for me between these next four and my bottom five. Okay. Uh, my number four is Marriage Story. All right. Uh, and again, it's mainly because that Netflix factor. Bombac didn't get um, the uh, the director nomination, but it and it wait my yeah it didn't get film editing either. So it, it's really going off of. Uh, screenplay and the acting knobs, right? Um, but that being said, I think that this is the epitome of a safe Academy vote. If it wasn't Netflix, if it was, you know, uh, Fox Searchlight that released this, um, I would definitely think that it, it would have a huge shot, um, especially if it did fairly well at a box office for a. Uh, for this type of a film, um, so I, I, I think that it's a it's a strong movie in a pre- preferential ballot. I think that Marriage Story will have a lot of threes and fours, depending on how long you have to get to get to that fifty percent. Which possibly this year you might not need much, depending on what I think <laughs> both of our number one is going to be. Um, I, I definitely think that their Marriage Story has a path. I don't think any of the other five truly had a path i kind of agree i think you're right about marriage story being one of the safer picks uh and absolutely if it wasn't a netflix movie i I, it probably does even better i remember when it came out i thought like a lot of people were considering it like the new front runner and uh, maybe it even was but it what what however long it was the quote-unquote front runner that 
wave of opinion died really quickly. Yeah. Um, and I don't even like it wasn't even as though something new became the front runner. It took like it was a long time before 1917 came out. Uh, you know, Parasite was already out at that point. Hollywood was already out at that point. Joker was already out at that point. Uh, so it was more just like it, you know, this is we're propping this up as a front runner and the bottom fell out. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. I also I really love the film. It's one of my favorites of the year, and it just fizzled. Unfortunately, you know it it doesn't. You know it it's gonna get Dern, which is great, uh, and but uh, it's not. I, I think it's it's on the outside looking in. Yeah, and I believe we have the same top three. Um, yes, you do. 1917 Parasite and Hollywood. My number three is Hollywood. My number three, if I'm being honest, and I should have, I, I, I always one that has more faith in the Academy than everybody else. I don't go <laughs> on the Academy nearly as as much as everyone else. But I, oh, I don't want to say this out loud. Um, I put Parasite at number three. Again, this is the 12th foreign language film to get nominated all they're 0 for 11 uh, and until again until one breaks through that is a steep mountain that you're climbing yeah uh, and again like we've already talked about tarantino and a hollywood a film about it's about them it's about hollywood it's true and this is a, a, an event where they all get dressed up and they pat themselves on the back um i so i i got Parasite at three and it hurts me. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, um, I think Hollywood is very much a contender in a preferential ballot. I thought it was, I thought it was more of a front runner before it lost SAG Ensemble. Sure. Um, I thought, you know, it, it, you know, it didn't win the DGA, it didn't win the PGA, it didn't really do that well at uh, BAFTA either. Uh, outside of the expected wins, and so I wa- I thought that for a while we were going to have this three-legged race between Hollywood and Parasite in 1917, and and the longer it went, I felt the more it turned into a two uh, a two person two film race uh, between the other two. Uh, but uh, I think it, for me, I would consider Hollywood the quote unquote legitimate dark horse winner i guess if you can call it that uh but my number two my runner-up is parasite yeah my number two is hollywood there's uh i just i don't want to put this uh delicately um (laughs) I, I again in having faith in the academy. Um, I, I I respect Tarantino does some things beautifully. The way that he 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 is a technical director. I think some some directors are you know, focus more on the on on acting performances. Um, I think there's a reason Tarantino already has skilled actors in all of his movies. He wants to focus on the shot and the, the, the production design and, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And I think he does that phenomenally, but um, his movies are just way too over-the-top gory for me. It was two hours into that movie, and I'm like, hey, Tarantino's making a movie that's 
<laughs> just a movie. And then and then it happened, and I was like, oh yeah, I spoke too soon in the in the back of my head. So yep. uh, I don't I don't want movies like this to be rewarded. Um, I, I don't understand the why behind you know the whole once upon a time in Hollywood we 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 change a historic event a random historic event so that this actor dude saves the day it's just I don't it's weird it's just kind of a weird concept of a movie and I don't think that it's becoming of best picture so but I put it at number two because again a movie about Hollywood, about actors, about their life. I think that they they all would watch this movie and be able to relate to Leo and Brad, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I doubt, if this wins, I'd be like, of course it won, <laughs> you know. But that's why I've got it as my number two because um, no disrespect to the Academy, I appreciate what they do, but um, it's just it's again it's one of those safe films. It's possibly the safest one of all of them. Yeah, I. I echo that. I think it's it's not my favorite Tarantino movie. It it has its problems. I think it's a little long, and but you know movies about Hollywood do really well at the Oscars, and you know yep. that stands to reason. Uh, so I wouldn't be totally surprised if it won. I think the stats are a little sketchy on it winning, but. Um, especially if it doesn't win director or screenplay. Uh, but if it does win one of those, I think uh, that could be something uh, and, and would shock me a lot less going into the Best Picture announcement. And then, you know, Parasite, I think you mentioned over 11, and foreign language films have such a steep hill to climb. And a lot of people thought it was going to be Roma, and I don't really know why, <laughs> because <laughs> <We've been at. laughs> like foreign language is a huge hurdle. Roma's in black and white. Roma, you know, is has no recognizable actors in it, even from the country that it was filmed in, uh, <laughs> where Parasite is in color and the actors in it are recognizable and famous in Korea. So sure. it has a lot less of a hang-up it's also parasite is not a netflix film like there it's got a much better route to get there but it's still a very very difficult one and uh i well, i really no. really want it to happen i really don't think it's gonna no i i don't either and not to talk about last year's films but when we're talking about foreign language and going over 11 it's funny that everyone thought that it was going to be roma because if and again, I think Roma, I, I, I personally didn't like it. It did, again, some technical things beautifully well, the production design, the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that there were some some really beautiful aspects of that film. That being said, if you were to make a stereotypical foreign language film that would bore the crap out of American audiences, Roma would be it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just, yeah. just from not engaging people in something that would catch their eye it was it was too artistic and so if you want to get them to read subtitles 
and have long have long dreamlike sequences and be in black and white and I mean there's just so many things going against it if, if I was going to introduce somebody to their first foreign language film it wouldn't be Roma whether I liked it or not yeah so. agreed yeah number one number one <laughs> yeah. we, we again we land on the same thing uh, 1917 um yeah it's uh technical marvel and it's a war movie which you know has always they've always done very well at the oscars and uh you know sam mendes has you know he's directed a best picture winner in the past in american beauty he's got the pedigree the film has a lot of great precursors including the pga which is the only other place that does a preferential voting system like the Oscars do, I, it's, it's, you know, it's the favorite, I, as far as I'm concerned, and I think as far as most people are concerned, and I fully expect to hear its name read on Sunday. Yeah, I'd be surprised, I mean, it, and it's, 1917 is my personal number two, so I will have no qualms with that, um, Without winning, I will still be sad because I, I, I want to see something break through like Parasite. I think that would be um, phenomenal. It probably won't be great for their viewership and stuff like that. But um, I just talk, both of these, both Parasite and, and, and 1917, are just two move marvels of a movie, as you put it. Um, and I'm sure that in maybe it's in reverse order. I don't know. What you, well, what are your personal top threes? Uh, so if I'm voting at the Oscars, uh, my number one is Parasite. My number two would be Marriage Story, and my number three would be Little Women. Okay. I, I had Parasite at number one, 1917 at, at number two, and Marriage Story at number three, and then Little Women at number four. There so you go. We're very very close. <laughs> yep. Um. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and I, I, you know, like 1917 is right up there for me. It's not if it wins, I'm, you know, there. I, I feel like there are better movies, but I'm not upset. I think, you know, it's it's hardly a Green Book situation, uh, not even close. And um, you know, I'll be I'll be happy for Sam Mendes. I mean, I think it's gonna be it'll be a good year. I mean, my least favorite of the nine was Jojo Rabbit, and it doesn't even come close. I mean, and I was the defender of Green Book last year, but I get it. You know, even if Jojo Rabbit won, I get why I wouldn't be disappointed. Um, it's 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 Sunday is gonna be hopefully one of those uh, you know where people can celebrate film for four hours and just enjoy it. But you know, it's probably too good to be true. But you yeah. Know, we have- very solid films here. Yeah, I, I think you know, I looked looking at last year, I think there were there were definitely some easy predictions to be made. I think almost everyone was pencil was writing Alfonso Cuarón's name in pen for uh, for director. Um, and and I think the narrative around Beale Street for uh, uh, supporting mm-hmm. actress was a big one. Uh, and a couple of other things as well. But there was a lot of variability and, and question marks still. There were a lot of acting races that were either or last year. And Best yep. Actress last year was a huge uh, 
uh, question mark um, mm-hmm. all year. And and even a Coleman winning was a kind of a surprise. Yeah. So there's really very little of that this year. And so on the one hand, it you know, I kind of want there to be some surprises. But if there aren't, uh, I think most of the winners are deserving. And that means it'll be a nice, relaxing evening. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> feel, you know, lacking in controversy, fingers crossed, yeah. but I'm sure there will be. There always is. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, uh, that's about it, though, right? I think that's it. I mean, did you have a, a tenth? a 10th best picture nominee that you would like to have seen or do you not really care um well i guess uh, hmm i mean i would have loved to see the oscars prop up the farewell at all mm. I, i'm i'm upset that that missed everything yeah yeah nothing um I think the only other film, a couple other films, I would have, I would have liked to see, you know, show up anywhere. I would have liked to see France uh, submit Portrait of a Lady on Fire instead of Les Misérables. I think I've heard a lot about that. I need, I might need to put that on my list. I haven't seen that. I love it. Um, it would have made my, well, I mean, it, it makes my best picture lineup for sure. But France submitted a different movie, so. <laughs> That's all that mattered. Yep, yep. And the only other one I would have probably wanted to see show up a little is Waves. Okay. I think, man, I, I, I'm a big fan of Waves, and I think there's a lot of good performances in the movie that, uh, I mean, getting it to Oscars, maybe not, but it didn't show up at Golden Globe or SAG or anywhere, so. Sure. Uh, even one one mention would have been would have made my day. Sure. Yeah. But unfortunately, no. You? You know, I, I it's weird that I'm gonna say this, man. As much as I have dogged Ryan Wilson or uh, Ryan Johnson <laughs> for two years, but I I would like to have seen Knives Out get get a little bit more love. God, that was that was an enjoyable two uh, two hours um, to watch that. I also really enjoyed the two popes. Um, Harriet, uh, was, I, I felt it was better than just one nomination. Um, and then I, I, I I'm surprised that Just Mercy didn't get any, any love in, in, anywhere. Um, so those, those were, that was kind of my list. So that's true. I, I actually thought Jamie Foxx was going to make a surprise nomination for Just Mercy. I thought he does he does a really good job in that movie, um, but it, it's a powerful narrative. And but I never know if I'm just biased towards seeing Brie Larson in a film and <laughs> completely fanboying out all over the place. So um, that could have a little factor in in, in Just Mercy as well. So. Yeah, that's fair. That's definitely reasonable. <laughs> I'm but, sure you're not the only one. I, I can't imagine I am. No. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's, uh, two and almost three hours for this episode. We're doing really good. I am shocked that we got, uh, almost got three hours again. Um, yes, uh, we just have too much fun with this. What can I say? It's, it's good. It's, it's an enjoyable thing. I'm, 
looking forward to knocking out Corpus Christi in the cave. Uh, and damn it, if I can find St. Louis Superman, it, it would just find, be it would be really really nice if somebody. If could you do. find it, you somehow tape it with your phone and you send it over to me. <laughs> All right. I will figure I, out a way for sure. Even if it's just a screen cap, I just want to know that it exists. <laughs> Yeah, uh, such a shame. Um, yeah. So that's that's going to be it for this prediction of the 2020 Academy Awards. Uh, Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, and the other time zones. Uh, yeah, no host again. No host. I'm I'm disappointed in that, but I know a lot of people like that. So I I'm curious to see like it, they kind of fell backwards into no hosts last year. Yeah. This year they're intentionally doing it from the get go, and so I'm interested to see if that changes how things play out. Yeah. Uh, either for better or for worse. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, that's about it. That's all I got. All right, man. Well, Thank I appreciate you. the invite. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for doing this again after last year. Uh, and uh, I'm happy to have you on when we do it again ne- and do it again next year. I would love to do it again next year, man. Yes. Always a pleasure. Thanks. Take care. See ya. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. Thanks to Derek for being on the episode and doing this with me, especially after how awful things went last year. If you would like to find more episodes of the show, you can head over to iTunes, Stitcher, and other places where podcasts can be found. You can also find all of the episodes on the website, circleoffilm.com, including many other things. If you'd like to find me, uh, follow me anywhere. You can find me on uh, twi- uh, Twitter, sorry, at Circle of Film. You can find me on Letterboxd at Circle of Film, or send an email to circleoffilm at gmail.com. If you would like to support the show, you can like it, rate it, review it, subscribe to it, tell somebody about it, or just listen. That is the absolute optimal thing that you can be doing. But if you are so inclined, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash circle of film, where for as little as eight cents an episode, you can have early access to all of the episodes that are released early. And I cannot finish this episode or close it out without thanking Brian, uh, such a generous and considerate patron of this podcast thank you brian thank you for listening and as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fades from view so long farewell i'll be the same adieu nothing's really left Or lost without a trace Nothing's gone forever Only out of place So long, farewell Oh, what I'll be to say Wait a minute Wait a minute So long